All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Woodwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to The Spoken. Spoken. This is the Spoken Podcast. I am your host, Lance Twiddle, here inside the KC Beardco Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell, cracking, y'all. Eddie Ortiz, yo, yo, yo. and we have our guy from the Shaggy Shane Show, the man who's kept me motivated in the times of turmoil as a cheese fan that I thought I was going to give it up. I thought I was done, but him and Clay Windler helped me rise from the ashes. I wanted you guys to give it up for the man of the hour, or the last well, couple of hours, because the show's probably going to go a couple hours, but I want to give, give it up for my guy. Shaggy Shane Williams. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you. It's a blast to be back in the spoken, baby. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So we got a big guest coming tonight. We can't announce it yet. Uh, Wait for segment number two. We're going to have that, guys, ready to go. But I promise you, you want to stick around because it's a great, great opportunity that we have tonight to talk to this special guest. We're really, really looking forward to that. Really, really excited. So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, you're going to hear us dipshits talk a little football with Shaggy Shane. Yes. And, uh... (laughs) First of all, Trevor, uh, let them know where they can find you on Twitter. Uh, it's Trevor Wire DFS. Eddie at Ortiz eight one six. Shaggy, Shaggy Shane KC. And you can find me at Lance the Spoken. Always some garbage takes on that one. And uh, you can actually go and follow us on Twitter as well for the show, the Spoken Pod. So definitely do that and join us on Facebook at the Spoken. Um, but our guy, our YouTube genius right here, Shaggy Shane, he's been doing his own work for several years now. That's actually how Shane and I had met years and years. I believe that was what twenty eleven or twenty twelve. Yeah. Uh, when we met, and so we we've talked You're about them before. Yeah, that was that was it. I remember that you were the only guy in my comments that defended me. I appreciate it to this day. But I think my brother did too, as well. But go ahead. Yeah, Tony. Thank you. <laughs> Shout out to Tony for sure. But uh, look, I, I I promised one of our friends, and I'm not going to name him, but we 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 talked about how we weren't going to be super negative tonight uh promises are meant to be broken but promises are meant to be broken and no i'm not no we're not gonna we're, i don't want i don't want this show to become something that's yeah, known yeah, yeah. for negativity but at the same time i do want us to be known for harsh facts we got to be honest we have to be honest and there's no sugarcoating this shit yeah the chiefs lost to the titans and they had no business losing to the titans they had in, in a week's time the chiefs had mad Moore and had no business beating the vikings and they did and then they get their guy, their superstar quarterback, Patrick Mahomes, back the next week against a much inferior opponent and lost. In the most aggravating fashion, you can lose a game. Everything went wrong that could go wrong. The Chiefs lost historically, doubled in time of possession, didn't lose the turnover battle. I believe they were tied. The Chiefs had 32 points. Patrick Mahomes had maybe his greatest game in a year's time. Coming I mean, off injury. Coming off an injury, looking sharp. Mm. Tyreek Hill had 11 catches for over 150 yards and a touchdown. Should have had 20 catches, but yeah. You know, the, the offense gave you, you think, oh, 32 points on the road in Tennessee. The Chiefs are winning by 20. To a team that's allowed, I think, 17 points a game. 18 <clears> points a game. <throat> yeah, that's correct. And yeah. so you're thinking, oh, my God, the naked eye, the time possession battle, which the Chiefs lose almost every single week, you know, this is going to be a blowout. And then you see it's 35 to 32. And you start scrambling as a fan. How in the living hell does that happen? 
How do the Chiefs drop a game like that, especially this late in the season when your team is getting healthier and your team has caught a rhythm because you're this far into the season? And, and I know everybody likes to come at me and, and, and say, Lance, you, you're, you're a knee-jerk guy. And it is true. A lot of times I do speak out of the, of the emotions of the moment. But one thing cannot be ignored. This loss was on coaching. Now, I know everyone's going to automatically assume oh, wow. you're blaming Andy Reid automatically, right, Lance? No. Yes, I am. But here, but I look at it a little bit differently. I'm going to get you guys, your guys' thoughts on this as well, starting with Shaggy. The way I look at this is when it comes to Andy Reid and what blame he deserves. You know, everyone now is talking, whenever the Chiefs lose, there's always this, what's the blame pie? Who deserves the blame for the majority of this and that? I look at it very simply. Steve Spagnuolo is failing at his job. Brett Veach, to this point, has not done his job very well. Dave Tobe is having his worst season as the Chiefs special teams coach, and it's not close. Now, each one of these pieces, and players included, hold a certain level of responsibility for whether they fail or succeed, right? But at the end of the day, you have to look at who is putting them in the positions that they're in. Even Damian Williams' fumble. That's on Damian Williams. He fumbled the ball. It's inexcusable. But who decided to bench Shady McCoy, whether it was for load management or he's in the doghouse, whatever the case is, you chose to sit Shady McCoy for a game in a game that he actually matched up well with on that defense because that defense struggles with speed. And that's Shady's game, elusiveness. And Damian Williams coughs up a, a touchdown that ultimately could have, you could say, lost them the game. And that's always been the hangover on Shady McCoy. Well, he lost us the Colts <clears throat> game. He lost us the Packers game. Well, now Damian Williams lost us the Titans game if we're going off of that context. That's on Damian Williams. But who made the decision to give him the bell cow that day? Andy Reid. Spagnolo decides to run man coverage in the fourth quarter and lets Ryan Tannehill run all over his defense. And then wants to say in the press conference this week, I didn't think that they were going to run the ball with 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter in a, in a one-possession, two-possession game. He's failing, straight up, as a defensive coordinator. That's on him. But who puts him in that position? Andy <clears throat> Reid. Brent Veach has done a terrible job in free agency to this point of his career as the Chiefs GM. That's on him. Who put him in that position? Andy Reid. This is what I'm talking about. This is where Andy Reid's blame comes into play. This is year seven of Andy Reid in Kansas City. This is year two with Patrick Mahomes. He's been hurt. But the Chiefs went one and one without him. You actually say two and one because they had to finish that second out without him. They actually played the second quarter, third, and fourth quarter without him in the Broncos game. So they went two and one without him. There's no excuses for losses like this in year seven with Andy Reid. And we've seen losses like this throughout the last seven to 20 years in his career. And the most aggravating part about it, and our guy Ken Swanson from Airhead Pride always talks about it and breaks it down perfectly. He says that Andy Reid is so good at deflecting while absorbing the blame. Well, I, um, uh, and Shane does it better. Uh, got to do a better job. better. I look in the mirror. <laughs> I got to do better. See, that's that's what he does. And, and, and yes, as a coach, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to take the blame. But when do you start to make the changes necessary? And this is where I'm starting to get worried, and I'm going to hand it off to Shane in a second. This is where I'm starting to get worried, Shane, because, yes, it is clear as day with the 200 victories in his career, or the 201 victories in his career, I believe now, it's 201, and over 70 victories now in Kansas City, in seven, not even seven full seasons. Andy Reid has clearly been the coach to get the Chiefs out of the cellar. 
But is he the one to take us through the roof? And I'm starting to wonder if that's the case because with the superstar quarterback finally in his career, you would think this would be the time he elevates his own career, and it's not happening to this point. Could it Could it happen? Yes, because the AFC is that bad. But the point is the Chiefs losing games like this tells me that we still have a lot to worry about when it comes to this team's longevity. For Are they long for this world as far as a AFC playoff push? Are they long for that world? Can they go on the road and win victories like that? Can Andy Reid put his teams in the, special, in the right positions? Because although he schemes well, if that's all he's hanging his hat on, that's not enough for me to determine him as a great head coach in this current time and place. He's got to get better at his job. My question, though, to you guys is in year 20, can Andy Reid – actually make those changes, and as he famously says after every loss on the press conferences, can he actually get better? Andy, uh, Lance, you covered quite a bit. and uh, Yeah, thanks. <laughs> and I, I want to thank you for it, but let's start off with the Titans game. The Titans game, the Chiefs lacked discipline, and the Chiefs were unable to finish. Did they did the Chiefs give up a touchdown drive with a minute and 20 seconds left? Yes, but they won the game before that. With them with inside of two minutes, it's third and 10. Frank Clark gets a big sack. It's now fourth and 17. You're thinking at that time as a Chiefs fan, I want we got to get them off the field at their own 30-yard line. Let's get the ball back. Spagnola, all out blitz. Tannehill was under pressure, nearly threw an awesome throw, but it was incomplete. We celebrated. Ball game. Let's get one first down, and this game is over. The Titans have not got us three and out at all today. Not once. Let's pick up one first down, and the ball game's over. What happens? First and ten, handoff Damian Williams. Pick up a three. Second and seven, timeout Tennessee. The next play, second and seven, handoff Damian Williams. He picks up five tough yards. Timeout Titans, it's third and two. One first down wins this football game. The Chiefs are moving forward on the ground. The Chiefs, instead of handing off, they try a tight end screen to the backup tight end. Who was covered? Patrick Mahomes knows that the Titans have a timeout, so he takes the sack because it's important to get the Titans to use their last timeout. He knew if he threw it away, the Titans would have that one timeout after the Chiefs' field goal attempt. But Andy Reid called the play with Blake Bell yeah. being the only option in a tied end screen with the game on the line. Who was already banged up. Yes. If Let's say the Chiefs got the ball after the sack, and it was first and 10 at the Titans' 30 with a minute and 30 seconds left, and the first play was a false start. Now it was first, so that make it first to 15. And let's say they hand it off to Damian Williams and he lost two, and now it's second and 17. Then the next play at second and 17, they hand it off to Damian Williams again and he was stuffed for no gain. Now it's a timeout, third and 17. So let's say they pushed all the way back. Then it would warrant a pass attempt. But Damian Williams carried the ball twice for eight yards. You got to freaking run it. Even if he only picks up one yard, then it's fourth and one. That is when the game was on the line. The defense won it by holding them on fourth and 17. I know they were gashed. And they they obviously, when they came back on the field after Dustin Colquitt and uh, Winchester couldn't handle the snap, you could tell they, they weren't ready. Because Tannehill went right down the field. You can say it was coverage. You can say uh, – I can say it was Rashad Fenton on the touchdown pass. He let he let the, the slot receiver get inside. We could break that down to we're blue in the face. But when your freaking defense gets the opponent off the field 
inside their own territory at the 30-yard line. You have not made a three and out all game. You need one first down to win this game, and it's third and two. Damian Williams has got you two freaking on two carries, got you eight yards, and you can't run it to pick it up to ice the game. It falls back on the coach. Andy Reid blew that game. And specifically to Andy Reid about that game in totality, his team lacks discipline. Up seven to nothing. You've already killed the Titans' will by scoring on your first drive. Chris Jones gets a sack. Tano Passanio falls on the football. Travis Kelsey throws a touchdown pass. They called an offensive pick on Tyreek Hill. That was That's either, you could say, well, that was uh, in question. That shouldn't have been offensive pass interference, this, that, and the other. But the Chiefs, kept, the Chiefs made four more penalties after that and had to settle for a field goal. Little things. Andy Reid doesn't do the little things. He could scheme up so much stuff that we we would see in training camp that to come and develop on game day throughout the regular season. We'd say, wow, Andy Reid is a genius for drawing up that play. But with the game on the line, when we're waiting for that clutch first down, when we're waiting for that play to ice the game, he doesn't do it. I know Clay Windler, God love him, our brother, our Chiefs amigo, said the screen pass to Daryl Williams at the home opener iced the game. On third and nine. Yes, but Daryl Williams was the hot hand. He had been getting a lot of carries in the second half of that game. Blake Bell was injured, and he was the only option on third down and two to ice the game. Why do you call a tight end screen on that play when Damian Williams just gave you eight yards on two carries? I'm concerned about Andy Reid. You know that. I've always been critical of him just because his conference championship record. I don't know how much longer he's got left to coach the Chiefs. He has maybe one year left on his contract. Um, Patrick Mahomes is going to be here 15, more, four, 12 to 15 more years. I said on my show, is Andy Reid the man to take him past 2020? I don't know. But that is my criticism specifically about the Titans and Andy Reid. Thank you for letting me take the mic on that, Brother Lance. Absolutely. Yeah, Go I mean, heavy, heavy is the head of the man that wears that crown, and the guy that wears the crown is Andy Reid. Um, there's way too much blame to go around for the reason we lost that game. I think almost everybody outside of Patrick Mahomes and the offense, who I think did their part in the majority of the game, obviously, deserves blame somewhere. Um, yeah, we're not disciplined. Obviously, as a parent, we're always leading. We're, already, we're always like top five in the league in penalties. Um, the special teams was actually absolutely abysmal. Um, I disagree with you when you say that Spags is failing us. I think he's had some great game plans. This is a week-by-week game. Um, we've had some great game plans certain weeks defensively. Uh, and we were playing good defense for the majority of this game um, until the last couple possessions by the Titans. And we, for some reason, Spags, like you said, expected Tannehill to dice us up via passing game for some reason. So we were playing, you know, too deep and man-to-man for some reason. We weren't zoning, zone blitzing anything. We weren't, you know, doing any stunts and twists, anything exotic up front to, to freak Tannehill out. We were just letting him play comfortable football. And that was extremely puzzling to me. Um, so like I said, blame goes everywhere. Um, Andy Reid should take the brunt of the, the blame for sure, because what made us great last year, what made this offense unstoppable and, and, and put fear into every opponent we faced every week. It was the fact of how we, how aggressive we were and how efficient we were when we got into the, the, enemy, the enemy's territory. Whenever we were in the red zone, we were getting touchdowns. We settled for what? Six field goals. I mean, it's just that, that that's been the story of the year so far. Uh, we played too conservative, uh, not aggressive enough when we get into the red zone, not wanting to attack. Um, even though I think this is a game where we could have went one, we should have won that way, even with settling for field goals because the Titans haven't been a high-flying offense. They're not a high-scoring team. We should have dropped 50 on them easily. 
um, the way we are playing. Patrick Mahomes was out there just moving the ball with ease. And like you said, the, the aggressiveness, the lack of aggressiveness that from Andy Reid to not push, you know, for even going like we saw when Baltimore played us, how, uh, um, you know, Coach Harbaugh trusted his, you know, second year quarterback who's still in development um, to go forward and almost every fourth down against us. You know, he, that trust was there with them. Why can't we have that trust with Mahomes, who we know is damn near one of the most unstoppable offensive forces in this league? Um, so, yeah, that's – and then this, Dave Tobe definitely, I mean, with, that was the most – honestly, that was the most embarrassing part of the game to me was was the lack of discipline and, and with McCole Hardman fair catching the ball or even catching the ball within the three and not letting it bounce out for a touchback. It's just the most mind-blowing, puzzling thing. And then him not even having his gloves on. His goddamn gloves weren't even on while he's the ball is in the air. He's trying to put gloves on. That that's something that's happening in practice and preparation and a mindset issue that's going on with this team. And I don't understand it. I don't this this far into the season, there's no excuses to have slip ups like that. Especially in special teams. When you know you got one job, you're supposed to catch the ball and run or fair catch the ball and, and get this possess next possession started. I understand he's a rookie, but if he's gonna have that responsibility of being that guy. You got to have him ready. You got to have him prepped. Otherwise, we need to be putting Tyreek back there every single time, and there's just not even worry about it because we all know that he's going to be ready for it. Um, but yeah, as far as the as far as the defense, man, I I I feel like they played a decent game until those last two possessions. Um, uh, we all know Tannehill's an athletic guy, but there is no reason for him to be trucking our safeties and getting into the end zone. That was, I mean, especially what, when those safeties are talking shit on Twitter. Absolutely, and 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 I and I've been. Thornhill has been my guy, man. I've loved him. But the, you meet a quarterback, and not even – it was before that, too. That whole entire drive when they're let, were letting Tannehill run upright as a runner, not even attempting to slide. He's not even trying to slide. The guy is a football player with the football in his hands running. He was a wide receiver also. Yeah, yeah, I get that. You know, he's, he's always been athletic. Texas, Texas A&M. Yeah. Or Texas, yeah. Um, he was always an athletic guy. He's very, very athletic, good, good on his feet. But he was running upright, not even attempting to slide. You see a quarterback running at you, not even attempting – to slide, you can tell his body language. He's still trying to get extra yards. Right. Lay that man's ass Crush out. Crush his shit, yeah. Let him know he's never going to do that again against you. But no, what do we do? We're, we're This is why we're known as soft. This is why we're, as Chiefs fans, we have to hear from other teams and other fans, oh, y'all are soft. Y'all, you know, we, we know we can – Coach Vrabel, right after the game, post-game post conference, what did he say? Pretty much read between the lines saying that we knew we can run all over them. We knew once we saw guys down on their knees – Breathing heavy, they look tired. We knew we can run down their throats. That's embarrassing, man. Like that, that is a mentality issue that we're lacking. And that all comes down to preparation and practice. Coaching. And, absolutely. And Spagnola, I do, I do think Spagnola is, is is a is an aggressive mentality kind of guy. My biggest issue with Spagnola that, that game, and I'll I'll finish with this. It was was the 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 personnel that we had on the field. We had the the games that we've been good against the run, we've had Colin Saunders in there. We've had uh, a couple other guys in there that have been playing really, really well and stuff in the run. Yeah, Pinnell, who's been – I mean, I know, you, I, know, I know you get on beach, but that was a great pickup. From, I think that guy could do well for us down the stretch here with, uh, with us losing some uh, bodies here with uh, Ogba and Okafor. Um, anyways, I just – yeah, the guys that we've seen stuff the run and be good against the run, we didn't have out there. We had them as healthy scratches, and it's just – it's puzzling to me, man. Like, we – we're gonna we're gonna scratch the guys that we've been having the best success against the run against one of the most fierce running backs in the league, a team that does nothing but run the ball. 
It just let me, I'll say something to that, um, and I want to get to Eddie's thoughts too. Um, to to that point about why they sat certain guys and played other guys like right. Pinnell and those dudes. From what I gathered um, from the guys at Arrowhead Pride and what they've been saying all week, the Chiefs had the mentality going in this week that they were going to have a large lead, so they wanted to get guys that were a little bit quicker, yeah, a little bit more of a of a of more of a, a finesse style on both sides of the ball. That obviously blew up in their face, and that's another example of yeah. of coaching. That's you can't come, yeah, you can't come into a game when you know the other team is physical <laughs> as shit, where over seventy five percent of their offensive production comes from the ground to soften up your defense, who's had three very good. In comparison to your first five weeks, very which is, good. Which is ironic because what is every every damn week? What is it? Performance. What does Andy Reid say? You know, we're we're excited to play this team. You know, they're a good football team. Okay, if you're expecting to play a good football team, why are you expecting a large right? Lead? It's just it's frustrating. Though. Eddie, let's get your thoughts, man. What, what did you take away from this 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 frustrating man, game? It, it was tough to watch. Not not gonna lie, it was a it was a pretty pretty interesting game that the way it went. Uh, obviously, I was texting you guys throughout the whole game. I'm pretty sure you guys were pissed. Yeah, there were expletives. My, thumbs, yeah, my yeah. thumbs weren't working. <laughs> yeah, so um, you guys touched touch up on everything about Andy Reid pretty much. It's just – It was so, a coaching blunder as a whole. The, the lack of discipline that this team has, and, and I think that's a track record that Andy, Andy Reid has had since Philadelphia. I think he's always struggled with uh, with that uh, the discipline in, in the locker room. <clears throat> if in 20 seasons he hasn't been able to fix discipline – like how are we going to expect for him to fix discipline in one season? You know what I mean? So that that's the biggest, that's the biggest issue that the chiefs have is discipline. They, they don't have it. And, and last week I, I touched on uh, my concerns about, about this game against the Titans. It was uh, how, when Patrick Mahomes is playing, like how the defense could like, just let, let's go and kind of, you know, they, they're like, Oh shit, Patrick Mahomes playing. He's going to keep us in the game. You know, we're going to have to play as hard. And and that kind of proved it li- li- this last weekend with the Titans, and uh, they had, obviously the defense it was coming from three fucking amazing games. They had three amazing right. games without Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, and and like I said, I'm just scared that this team de- depends so much on Patrick Mahomes. Now that you know that. Yeah, that when he comes back, this team is gonna relax and it's just not gonna be the same. And I and I touched on it last yeah. last week's episode, and you guys were like, "Well, yeah, I can see the." Cons- the concern, yeah, and the right after the game uh, against the Titans, it pretty much confirmed my fear on this team that they rely too much on Patrick Mahomes. I don't have nothing against Patrick Mahomes; he's fu- he's phenomenal. He's he's great, but you're relying too much on Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes cannot do everything on his own, and and the game against the Titans proved it. He fucking killed it out there. He he had like 400 yards, three touchdowns, 46. Yeah, so That's 72 completions. Seventy-two yeah. completion percentage. So, obviously, he did everything he could, and they lost because they they believed too much on Patrick Mahomes. And obviously, yes, yeah. he can get you those victories. And, and to your point, but and they cannot they cannot just depend on one guy. You're one hundred percent correct. And to your point about this, this is actually a, a note I had that I wanted to touch on in tonight's show. That yes, <laughs> the Chiefs clearly are relying on him too much in context because when they knew he wasn't there, they knew that Matt Moore had a more of a boxed version of what and, and Matt Moore was throwing the ball downfield, but we we all know that there's a drastic difference well, between we the two players. We're also playing a lot better complimentary football. Those That's exactly the point. Yeah. In seven games that Mahomes has started and finished this season, the Chiefs have allowed 26 points per game and 171 rush yards per game. And the three games that Mahomes hasn't started and finished, the Chiefs have allowed 20 points per game and only 95 rushing yards per game. Yeah. I got a question for you real quick. Go ahead. Um, 
I've been hearing a lot of people like even on six ten radio and eight ten, some guys talking about how I don't know. I just want to see how you guys feel about this with because we obviously with Mahomes at the helm, we score the ball fairly quickly, right? Most of our drives don't take very long. Very rarely do we see a six, seven, eight minute drive from the Chiefs. Usually it's three and a half, three fifty, and like seventy five yards and like six plays or something like that. Um, do you guys think that we should try to scheme to where we we have Mahomes throwing shorter passes or having you know trying to trying to play more of a conservative type of offense? Or do you think it's hurting our defense to because they're scoring too fast and not getting enough rest, or they're on the field too much because they're scoring too fast? I'm actually very glad you brought this up because I was going to talk about this okay. we'll and get to that later. Then, because, no, 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 we're going to do it right now. Okay, I and, and we're going to have to go to break in a few minutes, but I want I want Shane to also touch on this as well. I think it's an important topic. This right? is yeah. very important because it also like you talked about complementary football. Mm. The Chiefs knew they were going to have to run a slower style of offense with Matt Moore. Mm. Therefore, the defense became more of a prevalent they had more of a significance and importance so therefore they felt more confident in themselves right. and i think that had a lot to do with it with patrick mahomes the defense knows they have to stay on their toes at all times because the offense will score at a much quicker pace right. and and i used to feel like that's ridiculous why would i feel like it's it's almost a, a negative thing for the offense to score so quickly right. but then i really thought about There's it something to it yeah the, the, and again this goes down to coaching mm-hmm. andy reed has to know his team and know that his defense has the troubles and inefficiencies that they have, and they're not going away for a full season, or at least for weeks at a time. So you have to scheme according to that. You have to know that, yes, our offense is a home run hitting offense, but if we know that we need to hit a couple doubles and a couple singles to keep our defense off the field so that way we have a better chance of winning the game, let's fucking do that. Yeah. yeah. Because that's the way I Sometimes feel. Sometimes I would like to see us beat a team at their own at the, the, the opposing team's strength. And that's the most frustrating yeah. thing. That's the most frustrating thing about last week. Mm-hmm. The Chiefs were doing that. Yeah. They were controlling the ball. They were controlling time of possession. They're terrible on third downs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that is true. Which is so bizarre because last year we were amazing on thirds. Right. Third and long didn't matter, man. We in the red zone we were the most efficient offense in the red zone. Now we're like. 28th or something yeah, like what, do you, what are your thoughts on that, Shane? Do you think that, that, that the Chiefs should continue striking and real quick, real, continue striking the way they do offensively and keep that headstrong, fast, up-tempo offense? Or should they scheme a little bit more conservatively, like I said, to keep the defense on the field because their best defense might be their offense? I think it comes down to how the flow of the game. If the flow of the game is going, if the other team is slow, methodically moving the ball, eating a seven-and-a-half-minute drive for a field goal, then the Chiefs come out and they try to score and they get three incomplete passes. They're thinking, oh, man, we only had the ball 18 seconds. We threw three incomplete passes. We could have done something better than then they punt. Then the other team has a slow, methodical five-and-a-half-minute, six-minute drive for a touchdown. Then Andy Reid thinks, oh, man, I got, I got to go back to urgency. I got to go back to urgency. He doesn't even try to run the football. Right. And, and that comes down to coaching. I hate to keep beating the, the Andy Reid horse. If you see other teams, especially John Gruden, I know you do a damn good imitation of John Gruden. I tell you what, man. You got John Gruden down. Knock on wood if you're with me, man. And he, God damn it. He – Man, he destroyed he destroyed the team last year trading Khalil Mack and Amari, Amari Cooper. Mm. But he get he gets Jacobs and he'll run he'll run the ball religiously. Yep. I was watching the game against the Chargers. Hear me, I'll be short and quick. You're good. This. Go go. He'll get the ball first and ten. He'll hand up Jacobs three yards. He starts up every drive by running for three yards. Then then the next drive the Chargers will have the ball. Then the next drive the the Raiders will get the ball. He'll hand off the middle Jacobs. Three yards. That's a great old I, I even okay. said to my wife, I said, watch, the Chargers just punted. They've ran through up the middle. Yeah. First and 10, 
to Jacobs for three yards. Watch, honey. It's going to be handoff to Jacobs. Yeah. Handoff to Jacobs, three yards. And John Gruden sticks with it. Is Derek Carr Patrick Mahomes? Hell no. Are the Raiders the Chiefs? Hell no. But it's the little things, man, that you got to do consistently, even if it, even if it's not a bomb 85-yard pass to McCole Hardman. Do the small things. Set up a running game. I know Jacobs is better than any running back that the Kansas City Chiefs but have your on point, the roster. But your point is valid. Yeah. It's just, that O-line is good over there. Do the small yeah. things. Do Have a running game. That way, you know – you can change the flow of the game because the other team is waiting for that. The other right. team defensively is going to think, okay, we've had the Have ball twice. We've had the ball twice for the last eight and a half minutes and got ten points. There's going to be urgency. Patrick Mahomes is going to push it for urgency. Urgency. L- play the chess match with the opponent. Oh, then, don't let them know that. Don't let them think that they control the the even even flow of the game. Yeah, Mahomes in the play action too. That all that does is open up play action. Mahomes in the play action. I mean, good luck. Uh, that's. I mean. RPOs, play action, things like, and that's what I'm saying. That that's to Andy Reid's credit if he actually keeps the unpredictability in the bag, where you're you're giving yourself. I don't think he trusts our O line to run to block to run block. And again, that's true. But I also, I mean, I think that's uh, the biggest issue. When uh, Matt Moore was the quarterback, didn't uh, Damian Williams run for like over 100 yards? Well, 91 yards of it was on one rush. But to your point, I'm saying, yeah, we ran the ball a lot, but we weren't getting a lot of production. And and up to this point, going into last season, or was it? Uh, yeah, going into last season, the Chiefs before this week were 12-0 and when they ran the ball 25 or more times. I understand context matters, mm-hmm. but the fact is when you run the ball 25 times, that means you're controlling the game and dictating right. how the game is going. Like you said, and Trevor, you said, you know, beating them at their own game. I'd like to see more of that as well. But that's it for this first segment, guys. When we get back, we got that special guest coming. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Is this is somebody that really, really is important and adjacent to someone who's very important in this city. You're not going to want to miss this one. So we'll get back to that after this. Commandeer is Kansas City's alternative apparel brand. They make unique Kansas City-themed apparel and accessories with an emphasis on counterculture. They're nominated for two Best of KC 2019 awards in the Pitch Magazine and have plenty of designs for both sports fans and anyone else. Find them online at commandeerbrand.com or follow them at Commandeer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Soft shirts designed with an edge. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number two. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the KC Beard Co. Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell. What's cracking? Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. And Shaggy, Shane Williams. How's it going, guys? What is going on? All right, so we're back at it, guys. And we, we told you guys uh, all week long, Shane had put, made some posts. Uh, I had posted on Twitter today and on our Facebook page that we would be having a very special guest. Well, we did not lead you guys astray. That is actually a fact. We have a very, very special guest. We're very honored to have her on the show tonight. It is the one and the only Tanisha Mahomes, the aunt of Patrick Mahomes of our Kansas City Chiefs and the sister of Pat Senior. Let's give it up for Tanisha Mahomes, guys. We're glad to have her on tonight. How are we doing tonight, Tanisha? I'm doing wonderful. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. We're very, very glad to have you on. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know you have a busy schedule, but we're really glad to have you on. Really glad to just get a few minutes from you and get get your thoughts on some overall sports topics relating the – the little nephew that you've seen grow up and become the man that he is. Uh, I'm going to give it to Shane real quick because I know he has some questions and we're going to kind of get bounce back and forth and get some thoughts from you as far as what has gone on in Patrick Mahomes' career to this point. Hey, Tanisha, how's okay. it going? Okay, this is Shaggy. Uh, you know, you and I have been talking for a few months. Uh, you know, I, I appreciate you and your family, your mom and your dad, as well as your brother Pat being a fan of the Shaggy Shane show on YouTube. I can't thank you enough for your support. Uh I w- I'd like to know what w- what's it like being Tanisha Mahomes growing up in an athletic family, watching your older brother 
be a success in the major leagues. He was the man in 1999. He was 9-0 with the New York Mets. Uh, Bobby Valentine, the New York Mets manager, said, attributed a lot of the team's success to Pat Mahomes that season. What, what was that like growing up watching your older brother Pat succeed in Major League Baseball? Oh, it was amazing. I mean, he has always um, been an amazing athlete. I mean, from, I mean I'm mean, i just, I'm the youngest of three, but um, he and I have been extremely close. And like Patrick, um, he tortured me as well. Um, every, I mean, he, he is so competitive. Um, it's no wonder Lil Pat is the, uh, I'm sorry, we call him Little Patrick. I guess everybody else calls him Patrick. It's no, it's no wonder that he turned out the way he did. Um, Patrick, my brother, um, is as competitive as it comes. I mean, we competed nonstop in our family. I mean, it was amazing to be a part of something like that. Um, just seeing him every day go out and compete and just being so good at so many different things. I mean, baseball was the final outcome. But Patrick was good at basketball, um, track. I mean, you name it. He was just amazing at it. So I'm not surprised that he went on to have a, a, a great career in, um, in baseball. And he was very humble throughout the entire thing, which is um, which is the best part of it. I mean, I have to admit, I mean, when you get that type of success, I think sometimes it can be overwhelming for people. But for Patrick, it just never was. He was always down to earth. He can walk into any facility back home, and people, they've never thought of him as anything other than just Patrick from back home. Tanisha, that, that's very interesting. You talk about how, you know, Pat Sr. had a lot of different uh, skill sets in other sports more than just baseball, and it seemed to follow through with Patrick. And, and you know, there's always been this question about, you know, what sport were they greater at? And I think that's just a true testament to them choosing, I believe, the right sport for both of them because obviously Pat went on to have an incredible career in the ML, in the majors, and Patrick is already the best quarterback in football at only 24 years old and has really established himself as a, you know the MVP, uh, already having one of the greatest seasons in NFL history. But from your, from your viewpoint, though, where, where do you think that that, that that time came for them to decide? And, do, and how do you think they came to that decision to make – the right decision and choose the right sport for themselves. Well, interesting enough, both of them had the same decision to make. When Patrick Senior, or the, my brother, when he was a um, senior, he actually got drafted um, out of house, um, high school as well. Um, but he also, I think, was equally as good in basketball. Not football. I think he was a little too afraid to be hit to be a, a, a football player. I'm just going to be honest about it. He was not trying to get hit. But he did have that arm. He had an amazing, um, as a quarterback, he was lighting it up in high school. I mean, you're talking about the Friday night lights. I mean, Patrick used to, you know, he, he at that time he was throwing to a guy named Stephen Shipley. And they had an amazing connection. And it was just wow. I mean, this is football in Texas. So you can imagine how exciting that was. But I knew he wasn't going to play football because this kid was not trying to get hit. Now, basketball, um, he was actually hitting three corners back when they were two. And I'll never forget when they changed, and they, when, when the three-pointer came into play because all it did was just add to his, um, his average. He was hitting like eight and nine three-pointers in high school. And then, you know, when they actually became three-pointers, it just, you know, just uh, flipped, you know, just made his um his, his average overall just go just skyrocket. But I think he could have probably played pro basketball 
um, and pro baseball, but baseball is just like a first love for our entire family. I played um, softball in college as well. I mean that 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 sport was just kind of ingrained in us from very from very young. So I'm not surprised that he went the baseball route, but I definitely think Patrick could have played pro um, pro basketball. Uh, no doubt. So the change that the, the the decision was actually his senior year. He had to decide where he was going to go to college and play basketball. I think for at the time the school that um well he went on to play. You, you remember Big O from that played in um in, in the NBA. Oh, how can he we forget? The, yeah, he um, Big O. He was going to the same uh, school as he was. They were all going together, and then Patrick decided to go ahead and play um, baseball. So, actually, that's the same thing that happened And um, for Little Pat. His senior year came around. They, he knew he was getting drafted. And kind of, you know, I, I think people don't really realize that Patrick really didn't really get drafted in the 30, 32nd round. Like, that's, that's the end result. That was just a team trying to get the rights to him. And he was going in the first round, but he just let him know that, you know, he chose – he chose football over over on um, baseball. Patrick would have been drafted in the first round as well. Um, little um, Big Pat was not going to be drafted in the first round. I think he went in like the sixth round. But Little Patrick was definitely going in the first round. But he just he just loved football. I think it came out of nowhere, and it just turned into a passion. And you can see it in his eyes. He was so excited when he was playing the game. I'm not surprised at all that he's had the success that he has at this point in the game, because he just loved it too too much not to be good at it. Excellent. I mean, he, yeah, he, he really did. The dedication has always been there. They, they're both very intelligent, uh, very intelligent. Um, he got that from his father and his mother as well. They're very intelligent, um, you know, in the way that they think. They're methodical, and uh, students, they study. So it's not surprising to me that either one of them uh, made it to the um to the major leagues. Excellent, man. Thank you for that breakdown of the pad as well. I mean, I, mean, I, I really appreciate that, Tanisha. All right, April twenty seventh, two thousand seventeen, was a day that changed not only Lance and myself's uh, <laughs> yeah, lives, but day. Chiefs Kingdom's lives. Uh, you know, uh, we made videos before the draft. We were just praying that the Chiefs draft a quarterback, and when uh, Patrick was drafted. Me and Lance made our own videos of us just losing our minds, just being so thrilled that the Chiefs drafted him. Uh, yeah, I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> Tanisha, <it. laughs> awesome. thank you. I want to get to this because when Patrick was drafted, it was in front of you, your your mom and dad, family and friends. When you walked into there, I know you. I know that uh, you're a Cowboys fan, and the Cowboys just had a rookie quarterback <laughs> and Dak Prescott, who just came out of nowhere. So I knew that you knew that the Cowboys were going to be drafting Patrick Mahomes in 2017. When you walked into that room with your family and friends, who did you want Patrick Mahomes to be drafted by? Actually, I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't know who it was going to be, but I knew it was going to be um, – uh, out of a couple of teams because the kind of the way it works is they have a bunch of hats and the hats are in the back and those for all that's all the teams that are really interested in them and Patrick I think did 18 private workouts so by that time we kind of knew which teams were the most interested in him and at that time it was Arizona Chicago um, obviously the Chiefs um, uh, um, the Saints 
were very interested him um, in in him. Um, he had gone to the the Ravens as well as the Steelers, but I think it was between the Cardinals, the Chiefs, and Chicago. We were kind of figuring that we're going to be the ones that got him, and he really did seem to love the Chiefs. Interesting enough, he really did right out of the bat. I think Nagy and and at, at the time it was um, Coach Nagy and and um, obviously Andy Reid. He talked a lot about. Um, that he thought that they, that he did well at that private workout and that he had a good feeling leaving there. So it really was the, the Chiefs. It was out the Chiefs, the Cardinals, and Chicago, but I think he thought it would be the Cardinals or the Chiefs. Um, I, I believe Chicago basically had kind of hinted that they wanted a lineman first and then they were going to kind of try to work their way back up to see if they could get him. But... Um, but he definitely had a good feeling about the Chiefs and the Cardinals. So I was really excited when he got drafted by the Chiefs because I knew Alex was a good guy, and I saw how he had handled the um, the, the situation with Colin. And I thought, you know, he's going to be lucky if you know if that's the team he's lucky. You know, you don't know when you're a young quarterback who you're going to fall under. But I felt like Alex Smith was a really good guy, and that you know Patrick would at least fit in well there. So yeah. I was really excited. I mean, it was crazy that day. I mean, we had like two, it was like hundreds of people in that, in that facility. And, um, it was just an explosion. Well, you know, you know, before the TV acts, you know, you know, before everybody else knows. And once he got that call, it just erupted. It was the, the loudest and most boisterous group of family and friends and everyone was so excited for him and he was excited and you can actually see it on his face the shock when he gets that call so it was an amazing experience uh, i mean i was so happy that he chose to um share that with our family because he you know he did get invited to go but he wanted to be right there with the family and and, and let us be a part of that moment so i was really i was really excited about that oh no doubt and i i, I will say that uh that was the night that uh, changed my life as a Chiefs fan. Because I will be honest with you, Tanisha, as a Chiefs fan, I was I was about at the, at the bitter end uh, when it came to losing faith in this team and this franchise to ever give us a franchise quarterback. Because it had been over 34 years since the Chiefs ever took a chance in the first round. And not only did they, they take a chance, they traded up 17 spots to get Patrick. And uh, a quick side story, I actually, uh, in May of 2017, I met Patrick at that Nebraska Furniture Mart up here in Kansas City. I saw him looking at car- – I saw him up there looking at carpets. I'm like, man, I'm not going to be the guy that goes and look like, you know, hey, what's up, Patrick? <laughs> so I, I, I kept walking, and then I like did a lap around the store and kind of forgot about it, honestly. And then what do you know? This six foot three kid is walking right at me. I'm like, okay, I'm going to say hi. So we ended up talking for like ten minutes, took a picture together. Greatest, you know, nicest, humblest kid I ever met. And I just told him, I'm so glad you're here, man. You saved my fanhood. And he laughed, and it was a great time. But you know, back to the back to the night with the with the draft. Um, Obviously, you know, he became a top 10 pick. You know, no one will be able to t- ever take that away from him. And, you know, we always talk about, you know, if they did a redraft, there's no question he would be the number one overall pick. I think everyone, it would be a consensus agreement that the Bears or the, the Browns, rather, would have taken him number one, number one overall. But here's the thing. I want to know from your opinion, just because of the fact that you've seen Patrick play sports his entire life, you've been there. Why do you think that the first nine teams were hesitant? I don't. I don't know if it's hesitant, but didn't make that pick because the talent was always there. Was it a Big Twelve thing? You know, when they talk about Big Twelve quarterbacks, I, don't trend in. I absolutely think it was a Big Twelve thing. I mean, Patrick was playing for Texas Tech, but if you go back and look at his stats, I remember it's crazy because I remember his like the last year 
he had some like astronomical numbers and and he was sitting around and and we were all talking and 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 they had like like the Heisman you know talk was going going on and they weren't even mentioning his name at all because he wasn't on a team that was that was winning like that even though if you go back and look at those stats it's funny when they had that Heisman they were coming up with these like weird stats because all of the stats actually belonged to Pat and he had got all those stats in like three less games because they didn't make a bowl game they didn't do all this they were coming up with all these weird stats and I think that Patrick realized that there was absolutely nothing that he could do at Texas Tech Texas Tech that was going to get him like the recognition it didn't matter if he threw 6,000 yards the following year they were going to still say it's the Big 12 they don't play defense you know what I mean so I think it was just the school itself. I don't have. I don't think it had anything to do with talent because every coach that shook his hand knew he was special. It wasn't that. It was just the school. And Texas Tech is a great school. You know, don't get me wrong, but you know that the you know you, you got Alabama that they're competing with. You got Oklahoma that they're competing with. So that defense generally goes to the bigger schools, and they were just never. He was just never going to get that recognition and and I mean I remember the game that he played the one bowl game he played in against LSU he was dicing them apart and running from his running for his life at the same time I just remember that and and they were announcing this game and it was just so exciting and they got and they got killed I mean Fournette was out there just just I mean trucking guys I mean it was insane the way that game went down but Patrick I think he threw for like almost 400 yards Jakeem Grant completely dismantled their um uh, the cornerback that was holding him. I think it was White at the time, and I mean it didn't matter nothing. They didn't invite Jakeem to the the combine. Patrick got like really no recognition for that game. And I think he just it was just a school. It's Big Twelve. There's no defense. They don't take it serious. It's air. It's air raid. And um, I think that's what happened. I mean he that's why he had the 18 private workouts. They wanted to see if it was actually real. And I think he did a very good job of going in there and proving himself. And then that's when you saw everybody else saw him start to go up the draft board. Because when they got him in there and they started running through all of this, you know, all of the workouts, and they found out that he wasn't over there just doing simple air raid stuff, that he was calling, um, you know, making, changing things at the line and, you know, you know running, running, the, running the system. They realize, you know, wait a minute, we maybe we, you know, maybe we um, underestimated this kid. This kid may have something, and I think, you know, that whole process—it's a long process from the time that you declare up until the draft. So he had a, an ample amount of time to prove himself. But that's why I think he went under the radar, simply because it was Big Twelve. They don't think they play defense in its air raid. Well, definitely thank God that Brett Veach peeped him out for two years watching him, scouting him at Tech. You know, we're thrilled we got him. You know, Tanisha, I'm sure you've been watching my YouTube shows. And like I said, I can't thank you enough for the last couple of years. When the Chiefs drafted him, Lance and I immediately hyped him. He's going to take the Chiefs to multiple Super Bowls because we knew with Patrick's skills and Andy, Reed, Andy Reid's coaching abilities that it was inevitable. It was definitely going to happen. And last year, Tanisha, Patrick's uh, MVP season was 
was something that we'll cherish forever. You know, his first season as first season as a starter, he comes out, he leads the Chiefs to the AFC Championship game with his defense being 31st in the NFL. Let's be let's be honest, let's be blunt. Patrick Mahomes carried this entire team, and some could even argue today that Patrick Mahomes still can, still carries this entire team while the defense is in transition. I've made some critic I've been kind of critical of Andy Reid of late just because of some of the, the play calling. Uh, do you feel it's our criticism as fans, you know, cause we're just fans sitting around here. We're not in the media. We're not in the locker room. We're not talking to these guys personally, but just in general, do you feel like the, the, the criticism of Andy Reid that we have is fair? I know you've only been watching the chiefs for two seasons and I don't want to put you uh, in a situation where you're going to feel uncomfortable giving an answer that you don't want to, but do you feel like our criticism of Andy Reid is fair Tanisha? Well, I mean, that's the only thing is that I, I can honestly tell you that I have been a diehard Cowboy fan, and my entire family has since, you know, we're from Texas. We're from East Texas. So when I when I started being a, you know, this Chief Kingdom was literally when Patrick got, um, when Patrick got drafted. So, I mean, for me, Andy Reid, I don't think that, I think for, for, for me, Andy Reid was the perfect coach for him. Because Patrick needed somebody that was going to be hard on him, but yet be able to explain it to him. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, there, I saw a couple of times where Patrick kind of looked over for some clock management thing and, and management things when, uh, during a couple of games. But I think overall, his rapport with Andy, I'm not, I'm not sure that he had that. He would have that connection with anybody else. So I'm, I'm not going to say that that your criticism is wrong. I'm just going to say that. I think it's a fair exchange for the fact that he brought Patrick along a lot faster than what I believe anyone thought he was going to be able to come along. So, I mean, I, I can't, I can't, I can't say that it's not fair. I just can tell you that when I talk to Patrick, he's very happy that he has Andy Reid as a coach to explain things to him. Because what I think people don't know is that Patrick has not played a lot of football. People don't realize that Patrick was a safety up until his junior year. So he wasn't a quarterback. So think about learning your junior and senior year of high school, going to college for three years under um, Cliff Kingsbury, and then basically going into the pros and having Andy Reid as your coach to bring you along. That's five real years. Real good years of football before he went into the pros, and then so I, I, I kind of you know I, I like Andy just because I think that he was the perfect coach to bring Patrick along. Now, as far as like some of the games, I'm not gonna lie to you. Some of the things I've been kind of shocked at some of the calls at the time, but I mean Andy 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 knows a lot more about football than I do. But I'll agree with you. There's been a couple of times where I've just kind of looking with. I'm not sure what we are doing right now. You know what I mean? Like, what in the world did we just do just then? Why didn't we go for that? You know what I mean? So, but it's not me. I don't have to get up there the next day in front of the press or that night and explain what I just called. So, but yeah, I mean, I think as a as a, as a lifelong fan like you guys are, you guys have every right, you know, to, to throw some courage. And that's what makes you a fan. I'm there through the good times. I'm there through the bad times. You know, I, you yeah, know believe definitely. me, I, I have lit into to Gary many days as a Cowboy fan. So that's what I'm saying. So, you know, but knowing the history of the Cowboys, so definitely, I mean, I think if you're a fan, you got every right to criticize as well as cheer. 
Excellent. You're out there paying the money just like everybody else. Excellent. Well, and, and Tanisha, I got I got one more thing to say. It's not really a question, and I'm, we're going to let you go. And, and and again, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us tonight. It means more than you Absolutely. know. Trust it's me my when I say. Pleasure. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, and, and and I will say this, and um, I'm going to die on this so gladly because I've said this from the beginning, <laughs> and I'm going to say this till the day I die. Patrick should have started week one. <laughs> Of his rookie year. I know, I know, I know. Everyone talks about, you know, Alex was a good guy. I get that. Alex probably was a great guy to Patrick. I'll never debate that. But I've always said that we knew the movie every single year. Alex was a good quarterback. He was a solid quarterback, but he was never going to give us what Patrick has ultimately given us already in a year and a half of being our starting quarterback. I believed with all of everything in me that they should, if you're going to take a quarterback in the top 10, you're going to trade 17 spots up. This guy needs to play immediately because this team was built to win. What are your thoughts? And I, I know you mentioned it. I know I've talked to Pat Senior. He's told me the same thing that, that Alex was great to him, and they they let him mentor him for a year on the bench and let him learn the system. I believe that Patrick, with everything that you've told me, everything Pat Senior has told me, this that, that Patrick had it. He already had it coming into the league. I think he would have caught on. What are your thoughts about that? If you could go back and you do you agree with me or do you think it was the right move for them to sit him for a year? So I think that. To be honest with you, I don't think that if he had started day one, you would have had the Patrick that you saw. I believe that maybe mid-season, you probably would have had the Patrick that we know now. I don't think day one he was ready, but he caught on pretty quick. I mean, if you kind of look at the, if you go back and look at the, those old, um, those old games. You can see him and Alex kind of feeding off of each other. So I think he caught on. I mean, he's he's the dude's a straight A student since birth. I mean, the kid is the kid's smart. He caught on pretty pretty fast. But I'm gonna be honest here. He might kill me, but I don't think we would have got that Packers that we love now had he started day one. He needed a little time to marinate, just to smidge it. And kind of get that system down. It's a complex system that um, that Andy has. It's not as easy as people think. And I think that if they had sent him out there day one, uh, I'm not sure. I'm 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 not sure. I, I I do believe probably game eight nine, he was probably probably able to take over the team at that time. But like, but I mean, I hate to say it, but Alex wasn't playing bad then. Alex was playing good. It's kind of hard to take a man's position when he wasn't playing bad. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, Alex was having a good season, and I, I still even say that game that he lost. I mean, I really don't blame him for that loss. Right. The game we lost, I, I mean, I think we kind of choked a little bit on him. But, um, you know, I'm not sure that you get I'm not sure that you get the Packers that you love now, day one. Now, granted, I, I, I was a believer about midseason. I was like, I think this kid can get out here and play now. Um, you know, I'm listening to him, you know, you know, he, he, he seems to know what he's talking about. He's, he's loving practice. He's running the scout team. He's, you know, he's giving us feedback. I felt like, you know, he had the confidence at that point, but, you know, throwing a rookie out there, you know, day one, like I said, if he had been a guy had been playing football and going to camp his whole life and, and it, you know, it, it was just second nature to him. I think he just needed the time. I'm just going to be honest about it. And don't get me wrong, I think my nephew is amazing. Now, I mean, I think he does the work. He And I've said it on radio before. I've said this before. I think that kid has got everything it takes to be successful as long as he keeps his um, head on straight. Right. But, um, I, yeah, I don't think day one would have worked out for him. 
Tanisha, you were in town a couple weeks ago and uh, you got to spend some time with Patrick uh, when you were in town two weeks ago. And without revealing too much information about Patrick's uh, privately, how was his mood? I mean, that was a Packers game and he wasn't playing. He he knew he wasn't going to play and it was the Aaron Rodgers versus Patrick Mahomes game. What was his mood like uh, when you were with him two weeks ago? If you could uh, explain, uh, talk about that. Absolutely. Um, Hey, let me tell you, Patrick has several nicknames growing up. One of them is Ice. You just don't see much emotion from him. He always gives you the same thing over and over. I mean, yes, of course he wanted to play, but, you know, he believed that his team was going to win. I mean, he really did believe that, you know, they were going to be able to pull it off. That's just, he's just that optimistic, but he's always been that way. His mood wasn't down. But he did tell me a story that when they popped his knee back in, he thought he was going back on the field. <laughs> really? He actually thought, yes. He said, he goes, they, he goes, they popped it in, and he, goes, and, and he goes, and I thought I was going back in. They were like, you can't go back in. <laughs> and we just cracked up. You know, I had um, a couple of my friends with me. We're all veterans, uh, military, military army veterans. And we went up there, and Patrick showed us an amazing time. I mean, we went to his house. Um, he was, you know, he was so upbeat, um, watched college game day. I mean, it was, it was, a, you wouldn't have known that he was, he was hurt at that point. I already kind of knew he was well on his way to going back because he wasn't walking around with a brace or anything like that. He just had like a leg sleeve on. He was cheery. I mean, I think he knew he was coming back sooner than everybody else did. So he wasn't down. He wasn't, he wasn't down on himself at all. But, um. But yeah, I thought it was nuts. He's sitting there telling me that he, when he popped his when he popped his knee back in, he was he thought he was going back on the field. And they're like, "Dude, you got to go get X-rays." Like wow. he did not wow. realize he couldn't play. That's incredible. He's tough as nails. Incredible. He's tough as nails, man. I'm That's telling you. Definitely. definitely. He really. Definitely. Thanks a lot, Tanisha. You know, I'm gonna we're gonna see you in two weeks when you come to town for the Raiders game. We're looking forward to uh, looking forward to you come tailgating uh, with our family, with our friends, with everyone. It's gonna be an amazing time, and more than likely, Tanisha, that Chiefs Raiders game is gonna be for first place. Uh, it's gonna be a. And we're gonna win it. Hell, hell yeah! Hell yes! Hell yes! We're gonna yes. win that game. I mean, I, I'm we're looking, gonna go I, out there and, and we're gonna lock that up. Don't even worry about that. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking. We're, we're looking forward. Take, we're gonna take care of that. Hey, yeah, I'm looking forward to getting you on Shaggy Shane on YouTube. I'm definitely gonna interview for that pregame <laughs> and uh, uh, for for Lance Woodwell and Shaggy Shane. You got anything in closing you want to say, Lance? No, I just again, Tanisha, thank you so much for taking the time to be with us, guys. Just us Joe Schmoes that are out here talking sports, and we really appreciate you uh, mentoring yeah, Patrick into the man that he is. I, I, I can talk sports all day long, man. <laughs> Anytime you guys need me, don't oh. hesitate. Well, Dude, we, I love we it. might have to call else. you. We might have to call you on that. So, so keep the phone close. <laughs> Excellent. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. Yeah, keep, doing, keep having a good show and doing good work, man. It's thank awesome. you. Thank so, you so much. Excellent. We'll see you in uh, two weeks at Arrowhead Stadium. All right, dude. Have a good one. Y'all have a great time, man. Have a good one. Good night thank, and God bless. Thank you. Too. Thank right. you so much. Bye-bye. Well, that was Tanisha Mahomes, guys. That meant a lot, and I, I think that goes without say. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we're going to do the Monday mailbag. We're going to talk a little bit about what you guys are talking about. We'll get to that after this. Casey Hemp Company, your most trusted CBD provider in Kansas City, shipping nationwide. Ancient plant for a new age health. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Casey Hempco. Back at it on the Spoken Podcast for segment number three. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Casey Beardco Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell. What up? 
Eddie Ortiz, yo, yo, yo. and Shaggy Shane Williams. What is going on, Kansas City? All right, so we just got done having an incredible, and I mean incredible conversation with the one and only Tanisha Mahomes, the aunt of Patrick Mahomes of the Kansas City Chiefs, She's and awesome. Pat Sr., former Major League pitcher. Uh, again, I cannot stress it enough that... Thank you, Tanisha. Yes, thank you so much for that. That was amazing. It gave us a lot of insight, things that I didn't know uh, before that conversation. And it always feels like whenever I get to talk to Pat Sr., whenever we, now that I've gotten to talk to Tanisha, I feel like I've learned so much more about Patrick and the family, the Mahomes family. There's, just, there's so many cool stories. And just knowing that this family has been in the limelight for so long and how they've handled it with such grace, it just it's so cool to see. And I feel lucky yeah. enough... To feel, you know, to have like a little part of that story, you know what I mean? To be a Chiefs fan, and we're now family. That's just, that's <laughs> yes, just accept it, Mahomes. You, know, we're, you guys we're, are we're related to Mahomes. Yeah. That's we'll be at Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah, I'll just wait for my invite for my Thanksgiving. Yeah, the Spoken Podcast is going to be doing a live show <laughs> at the Mahomes resident in Texas. So just get make some space for us at the table. We'll, we'll take the kids' table. I don't care. It was excellent. It was excellent. I mean, yes. though, just, even the stories we heard about Pat Senior, who she called Patrick. I mean, she calls her brother Patrick because he's Pat Senior. Yeah, just the fact that he was a basketball player. I'll bring my potato salad with raisins in it. (laughs) (laughs) Pat Pat Senior's basketball. I mean, how he was good at basketball, and I love hearing stuff about Pat as well, and as well as, of course, being with Patrick two weeks ago and throughout his injury process and catching the vibe of what he was going through. It was was great to hear. Good insight. Thank you so much, Tanisha. Absolutely, absolutely. So yeah, and 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 she did say you guys heard it. She said she'd come on again, so I'm going to have to hold her to that. Yeah, I think yeah. we're going to have to have her on again. And when Shaggy comes on, I mean, that's always going to be a blast too. So speaking of having Shaggy here, we're going to open up our Monday mailbag, and we're going to get his thoughts on a couple of the questions that came on. And what do you know? The first question that's off the off the board is uh, our yo-yo-yo no. man. Yo-yo-yo. Uh, Eddie Ortiz actually no, asked a question. No, no. Uh, I'll, I'll go ahead and start this one off. Eddie asked the question. It's kind of funny because we just got done having a big old tangent about Andy Reid. Eddie asked the question, should Andy Reid be fired at the end of the season? Okay, because of the fact that I – well, I, I guess Shane has been equally as critical as, as I have been. I've been a little bit later to the party. I actually remember Shane was was very adamant. And you should go back to you should go back to YouTube and watch that one after the AFC Championship game. I mean, Shane hasn't even defrosted yet. He just got home. There's still icicles in the beard, and he's – Andy Reid's got to fucking go. I mean, he was ready. He was done. And I get it because I was sharing his sentiments. I, I was in the middle of listening to Nirvana's there, song in my man. bed in the dark when I was watching that. But but no, I, I I will say this just to answer your question, Eddie. And I'll, you know, obviously, like to get your guys' thoughts too, just real briefly. No, I, I, I think it really is hinging upon how the season goes. I know that sounds cliche, but hear me out. The AFC is so bad. And I mean, terrible. There is maybe two really good teams left in this entire conference. And that doesn't include the Patriots. I don't think the Patriots are as good as they look or they looked in the first eight weeks. I don't think there is. I don't think they're a great team. I think they're a really good team. There is the Ravens and the Chiefs. I think those are the only two great teams because the Chiefs are better than what they've been to this point. The Ravens are damn good. They are damn good. Oh, Thomas, man. The defense well, is getting, getting better. better. And Lamar Jackson too. is playing MVP caliber football. Yeah. So, and I, and I do think Patrick is going to uh, get himself back in that race. I'm just going to throw that out there for right now. But I'll talk about that in a second. Yeah. But, no, I think if the Chiefs can capitalize on a bad AFC and get back to the AFC championship and give themselves a chance at the Super Bowl, there's no way in hell Andy Reid should get fired because he did back-to-back AFC championship appearances. And to me, that justifies another season. If they lose before the AFC Championship, 
I am not somebody that's going to support Andy Reid for another season because then you're talking about year eight and you're degressing. This team, when it's actually getting healthier, is better talent-wise and coaching-wise than it was the year before. Yeah. So if you can't get just as far as you did the season before in a weaker conference than the year before, uh-uh, not accepting it for a second. So that's where I'll leave that. It's to be determined on my side. Me personally, uh, there's a lot – Goes in just outside of just Andy Reid himself. I know he's the godhead of this this team and this organization. Um, but this is we got to remember. This is a whole new. We pretty much cleaned house on our coaching squad entirely. The roster of our coaches. I mean, especially defensively, we completely cleaned house defensively. Um, so there's a lot of still a lot of meshing that goes on. You don't put everything together in one season usually. Um, there's still a lot of growth, I believe, in this team going down for this home stretch here for the rest of the season. So I do think. Uh, there will be some success, and we will we will finish the season very strong. Um, for me, it's a resounding no about firing Andy Reid. I, there's not, I don't think there's any other options out there right now at this moment. Um, who knows by the end of the season what happens? Any movement from other teams? Whatever. Uh, if you think there's somebody on this team now that can take over the reins and, and do a better job, I don't think that's in reality right now. Um, but like Lance said, if we don't see any changes, if we don't see a little more aggressive, ag- aggressive mentality offensively, especially because obviously that's his, you know, he runs the offense for the most part. Because um, when the defense on the field, he's not really paying attention. He's on the on the sidelines talking with Mahomes. So. Yeah, yeah, which is fine. I mean, I, I don't have a big, too big of an issue. I mean, he trusts his coaching, you know, crew defensively. Anyways, I for me, it's a resounding no. Uh, I he owns this division, and if you want to keep owning this division. He's the guy that that is, you know, making stepchildren out of all the rest of his teams in the division. Um, so I, I enjoy that. I enjoy, I enjoy just mopping up this division and having no problems there, um, which is why I'm very extremely confident heading into this next game, whether, you know, depending on no matter which field it's on. But, yeah, for me, Andy Reid is going to stick around, and I don't think any of that's going to change anytime soon. Lance, you nailed it with AFC Championship game. That has to be the minimum he gets to. My fear is something stupid happens like the season. The Chiefs win the division and they go to New England and win December 8th and then win their first playoff game at home after winning the division and then losing the divisional round to Baltimore. Then you're going to have people halfway say, well, we beat New England in December, but we didn't get there in January because we lost the divisional round to Baltimore. So it splits everything and – it creates a whole entire shitstorm that I don't care, but that just expands the 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 goo, yeah. the goo of Andy Reid. Yeah. But uh, to to be straight up, I think Chiefs Kingdom, and I respect everybody's take, whether they're a pro, whether they agree with me or not. I think Andy Reid's starting to get the same feel as Alex Smith. Mm. When we were critical of Al- Alex Smith in 2015 and 16, people were like, well, don't you remember what we were like before we had Alex Smith? Do you want Matt Castle and Tyler Palco back? That's exactly You it. better be happy with Alex Smith because we don't want to be like what we had with Alex. We don't want that again. We want to have Alex Smith. That's what Andy Reid's get. Andy Reid's getting Chiefs Kingdom. Don't you remember how Chiefs Kingdom was before Andy Reid? It was Romeo Cornell and Todd Haley. Yeah, that's a- we, 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 we got to hang on to Andy Reid as long as he'll be our coach. He's going to be 62 years old in uh, March. He can coach our team another seven years, just like Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll's 68. Andy Reid can coach our team when he's 68. Look at Pete Carroll. Alex Smith, Andy Reid, Andy Reid, Alex Smith. Shaggy Shane, I myself, I speak for myself, I want my own coach. We've only had one coach that was ours in the last 20 
three years, Gunther Cunningham and Todd Haley. Marty Schottenhammer came to, from Cleveland and uh, brought a winning attitude, changed the freaking identity of Chiefs Kingdom. Like I said in my post earlier in the week, the Kansas City Chiefs were about as relevant as the Kansas City Kings before Marty Schottenheimer came here. Yes, he wasn't our coach because he was with Cleveland, but now we've grown. We've grown. We've got our own quarterback. Let's get our own head coach that will be here for the long term of Patrick Mahomes. I think it should be Eric Bieniemy. He's been here all along. Eric Bieniemy would be great head coach for the next 12 to 15 years with Patrick Mahomes. Eric Bieniemy just turned 50 in all, this summer sometime. I can't remember if it was July or August, but Eric Bieniemy just turned 50. I could see him being the Chiefs head coach for the next 12 to 15 years. Another uh, head coach possibly, and I know this is all hypothetical, but I want to put it out there. I'm not on the show every week. Sure. Another head coach candidate I would like to see possibly if Andy gone is Brian Schottenheimer. Brian Schottenheimer was the uh, he was here to watch his dad change the face of Chiefs Kingdom. Poetic. And it would be great to have Brian Schottenheimer, but I hope it's Eric Bieniemy. I'm not being an Andy Reid hater. I know people are thinking, oh gosh, here goes Shaggy Shane bagging on Andy Reid. But we got to think outside of the box. We got to think who's going to be our head coach long term because Patrick Mahomes will be here for the next 12 or 15 years. Will Andy Reid be here that long? That's the see that and and before we move on from the to the next question on the mailbag, to your point, and, and I know we're getting you and I are both getting backlash, Shane, about this because it is very unpopular, just like it was very unpopular to bag on Alex Smith because well look at his winning percentage since twenty eleven. Look at Andy Reid, he's won at least ten games in six of his seven years in Kansas City, and the other year he didn't, it was nine and seven. So obviously the regular season win totals are stacking up. But if we're just looking at this from a perspective of let's just win regular season games, win the division, and give ourselves a shot and see what happens in the playoffs. If that was the standard, he's killing it. He's the Bill Belichick of regular season wins. We're trying to win Super Bowls now because that's why you trade up for Al- for Patrick Mahomes, and that's why you got rid of Alex Smith a year later, and that's why Patrick Mahomes is here. And it, furthermore than that, it isn't just us fans that are demanding this. This is coming from the top of the top. Right. If you guys remember the franchise video – what does Clark Hunt say? He said, I want, I want the trophy of that has my dad's name on it back here in Kansas City. Preach. And when we get that trophy, we're going to Miami and we're going to win the Super Bowl. And any these are literally his words verbatim. Anything less is not a success. That is literally coming from a man that we have accused for so many years in the family that we have accused for so many years of being ultra-conservative and playing it safe and just wanting asses and seats. No, this man wants to win Super Bowls. So we have to demand that. And if Andy can't be that guy, we as fans have to be willing to accept that. I like Andy Reid, but if he can't get it done they got to move on before you waste Patrick Mahomes. Go ahead with the next question. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I agree. Thank, with that. Thanks for answering my question. That was pretty yeah. good. Um, <laughs> Hope we broke it down. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go with Shane's answer. That's, yeah. that's my. Thank you, sir. Shane, Shane wins good, two points. Good stuff, guys. Um, all right, next question in the mailbag comes from our guy Ruben Martinez, who has been uh, pretty much. I think he's been asking a question every time we put the mailbag out. Appreciate so far. you. So we appreciate you, Ruben. Um. He asked Ruben should, Tuesdays. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You nailed it. Uh, he asked, should, "Should we go for it on? Uh, should we should we go for it on every fourth down and make Andy be aggressive?" Question mark. Analytics say the chances of getting a first down, going balls to the wall on all fourth downs, would be pretty high. As things are now, being aggressive on just first and second downs and conservative on third and fourth is just holding us back. To hell with that. Who's stopping this offense from getting 10 yards four times in a row? 
nobody. I agree uh, or not? I'll stop right there when he said who's stopping uh, Andy Reid is. Yep. And the reason why I say that is because we had a third and two yep. on that final drive the Chiefs had on, on, on offense. Nobody's really beat us and, this and year. And, 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 and we ourselves. That's what we do. We write up a play for a backup tight end and no other options. You have Tyreek, a healthy Tyreek Hill, yeah. healthy Travis Kelsey, and a healthy Sammy Watkins, and you write up a play for Blake fucking Bell. Right. So, yes, to answer your question, Ruben, that's a great question. I love that post, and we're going to dissect that a little bit more over these next couple minutes. Mm. It's Andy Reid that can stop the Chiefs because he gets in his own damn head too much. When we get into these situations where he should be able to rely on on the skills of the players he has out there on the field that he's either drafted or, tr- or traded for or signed, he should be able to rely on those guys as, as opposed to try to get too creative. And that's the problem yeah. is that the Titans knew what was coming. Because he used that same play against the Vikings a week late or a week earlier. It works. That, a, that screenplay works, but the, the the fact they that saw it coming. Well, then we saw they saw it coming, but the fact of who we the play was drawn up for was the embarrassing part. Exactly. Literally, our second, maybe third to fourth string tight end heading into the season, who was already banged up with an ankle. You know, when we have a Travis Kelsey, we had all the slew of our weapons out there available. You can just pick your it. poison. Just let Tyreek meet somebody at the line and, and 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 you know meet him at the line and go for a short slant. No one's going to stop the quickness of Tyreek. Yeah, because, because people are saying like, why didn't they run the ball? I wasn't against the pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the idea of Patrick Mahomes right. having the ball in his hands for a clutch play. Sure. You want your best player to have yeah. the ball in his hands. You, yeah, the it's biggest the fear of any ball. team is watching Patrick Mahomes roll out of the pocket. Yes. That's, that scares the he, shit out he, of he was, he was absolutely killing it that game. Right. So, of course, I wanted Patrick to have the ball. I wasn't against him not running the ball. Mm-hmm. It was the fact that it was the play call and where they were going with the ball that is yeah. the ultimate it's problem. So, to answer cute, Ruben's man. question yeah. in that part, it is Andy Reid's the only one that's going to stop it. And how many times have I said it, guys, throughout these last six to eight months? Yeah. Who is the only one that can beat the Chiefs? Chiefs. The, Chiefs. the Chiefs. And we've been saying that shit for years. How, Even and, with Alex Smith. We and that's that. the truth because how many times have the Chiefs been blown out? No, it doesn't happen. It does not happen. They lose by one possession every single time. Right. Every single we time. We lost by more than is, seven points in the last, what, 12 losses? Yes, that yeah. is mental lapses. That is uh, 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 horrible judgment calls, horrible play calls, mm. all different types of just uh, things that the Chiefs do to themselves. Not trying to take away from the fact that, you know, these teams have beaten them. The Packers beat them. You know, the Titans beat them. The, the Colts beat them. The, the Titans or the Texans beat them. These mm. are all legitimate wins. you got to credit those teams. But you can look back at so many instances and every single one of them and go, Damn it, man. Why did we do that? Like, why did you go that route? And that's the problem. And as far as Ruben's uh, portion on the fourth down going on, yeah. going for it every single time, look, I, I like the I, I like, yes, I it's like the aggressiveness. John Harbaugh's big on that. Yeah. John Harbaugh loves going on that. Well, he's also got Lamar the most mobile Jackson, quarterback I mean, of all time. Yeah, when he got the best running back at playing quarterback, I mean, it's. He's got more rushing yards than Mark Ingram. I mean, <laughs> I think he's third in the league in rushing. Yeah, and, 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 yeah, and I appreciate John doing it that time. But so, and that's, that's proving the point, though, Shaggy, is that it is situational. Do I like when the Chiefs go for fourth and one, fourth and. Hell yeah, I do. Because and this time we're in the opposing, the, the other side of the field, when we're in the enemy territory, I'm almost for it. And this time. is why I shit all over Andy Reid and the Packers loss yeah. because it was on the 40-yard line on yeah, our I, side, yeah. and I still thought they should have went for it because that is no man's yeah, you land. You it away to Aaron Rodgers. And if, even if you don't convert the fourth down, the game's over yeah. anyways because you knew they weren't going to throw the ball in that next possession. Yeah. And what do you know? The Packers run the ball 11 straight times, and we couldn't stop them on defense. And like I just <clears> said a few minutes ago, the Chiefs' best defense is their offense. So to Ruben's point, his question – 
If the Chiefs can go for it on fourth down and it's reasonable and it's in a spot on the field that isn't suicide, basically, where it's not on your own 20, mm -hmm. yes, I am all if, – if, if I see Andy Reid go for it four times in a game, I respect and, and, all and, four and if times. if I'm going to do it, and if I'm going to do it, I'm going to go out there and do it quickly. Yeah. I'm going to go out there and put the, and kind of rush the offense out there. I want, you, need to be, you need to have plays – as a coach, I mean, you have a whole week to prep for these games. So you, you need to be ready for those situations and practice. You need to practice those. So you practice those scenarios when it's oh, fourth and one or fourth and two. Get out there, have a play ready to go right away. Because the defense, dude, defense will panic. Defense will panic if they see Mahomes and, and our, all of our arsenal get up there at the line and rush and rush a play really, really quickly and make them. Because usually most defenses or coaches will call a timeout in that scenario. If they see us come to rush that line for when we're ready with a play at fourth and one or fourth and two. Those opposing teams are going to want to call a timeout because they're not going to be ready for whatever the hell we're bringing. Yeah. What about? I want to go back since we're talking about fourth downs. Yeah. Third and twenty nine at their our own four yard line. We uh, against the Colts. Patrick Mahomes is Brian Brinkley runs to twenty eight. So it's fourth and one at our own thirty four. And we're thinking, okay, it's at our own thirty four, but we got Patrick Mahomes. We got a great offense. We run up in the I formation that yeah. we haven't had all season, right. and nobody blocks Justin Houston. And it was a whole shit freaking play. Yeah. So yes, I am for going for it on fourth down to keep the momentum, to make the difference, to win the game. But make it a good play. Yeah. Come on, what what did you guys think of that play? I'm not trying to bring back that game. Yeah, no, but fourth and one, are you going to call that play? This is what I'm talking about because even against the Texans too, to that point, it was third in or second and nineteen on like the four yard line, mm. and the Chiefs do a draw play. And it goes for like two yards. I just don't trust our run blocking. But this is – It hasn't been good all year. This man. is coming back to Andy Reid as, as right. far as, you know, we talk about how he – what what do we hang his hat on? What does he hang his hat on? He schemes. He, he draws up genius plays. He makes these things that no other offensive coordinator out there can Everyone do. steals from it though. Yeah. But he's a head coach. And you got to be able to do things better than just call plays. But when you're not making the right plays, you look even worse because that's what you're known for. Right. That's the point because in a lot of ways, Andy Reid is a one-trick pony coach. And you're not consistent this season with this quarterback and these weapons. You're drawing up draw plays on second and 19. You're going to fourth and one. You're doing I formation against the Colts when you know that front seven's bringing it. When you know Justin Houston knows this offense and he's giving them all the game film possible, you're going to run that predictable-ass play with this run game. And I don't want to sound like a hypocrite because I've been the guy that wants the Chiefs to run the ball a little yeah. bit more to take the pressure on Patrick. But situationally, that was fucking stupid. Moving forward, there's no excuses. We have everyone healthy right now offensively. There is no excuses to not be aggressive in almost every scenario we have. We've settled for way too many field goals this year, regardless of who's who's the quarterback. We we're playing too conservative for for the amount of this might be one of the most talented offenses roster wise that we've ever seen. There's no reason to be settling for that many field goals already this year. It's ridiculous, especially coming off of what we did last year, being so efficient and deadly uh, in in the red zone. And we got to score more touchdowns when we get down there in the red zone. We got to stop outsmarting ourselves so we appreciate everybody that's uh submitted questions or topics to the monday mailbag we do that every single week on the spoken on facebook so get on there guys like i said on mondays we'll be posting the monday mailbags i'm sorry it'll be tuesday next week obviously because the monday night football game but yeah thank you shane um but we will be doing that so it's tuesday mailbag this week but every single week like i said we'll be doing that Give us your topics, give us your questions, and we will do our best to get them on air every single week. We're going to take a short break. When we get back, we're going to talk Chargers and Chiefs. How do we see this game unfolding in Mexico City? We'll get back to that after this. Visit Local Foundry in downtown Lee Summit, Eastern Jackson County's biggest selection of local made and inspired goods. They carry apparel, jewelry, prints, decor, and more. The store is also filled with various vintage finds. Come and see us on Market Street. 
Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast, segment number four. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the KC Beard Co. Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell, Eddie Ortiz, yo, yo, yo. and Shaggy M&F, Shane Williams. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Kansas City Chiefs, freaks worldwide of all ages, thank you. The guys have spoken, Trevor, Lance, Eddie, for having me on, and Tanisha for joining yeah. us. Hell yeah. We're going to do a Chiefs Chargers uh, preview here. Break it down for me. Lance! All right, so this is a game that I didn't think – coming into the season was going to have that much validity because like Trevor said earlier, we make steps, stepchildren out of the AFC West under, 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 under Andy Reid. Cause as much shit as I've been giving Andy Reid, one thing I will give him is I believe his record is 25 and five against non Peyton Manning led AFC West teams. That is insanely good. Um, especially when you consider the fact that AFC has been extremely competitive over the last seven seasons, the chiefs, the chargers and the, uh, um, uh, Broncos have at least made it to the second round of the playoffs over the last seven seasons. I don't know many divisions in the AFC that can say that, especially the AFC East. I digress. The point is, is that this game now holds a lot of validity for the Chiefs and the Chargers, quite frankly, because of the fact that we obviously know why it matters for the Chiefs. Because they don't win this game, the Raiders could legitimately take the AFC West, and that yeah. is something I did not foresee coming into the season. It's, but you a, cross, give, it's a crossroad game. Man. Yeah, you have to give the Raiders credit for what they're doing. They're taking oh, care wow. of their easy schedule right now, but they they're going to get 0-9 Bengals coming out. Yeah, they got 0-9 Bengals, which could be a trap game, but we'll talk about that. the Jets. That's okay. <laughs> Maybe so, but here's the thing. The Chiefs, this game is super important to them, but the Chargers are coming off their most disappointing loss of the season. Phillip Rivers – Looked like old man Rivers in that game. He was throwing interceptions right to defenders, and the, and the Raiders' secondaries are one of the worst in football, and they've only gotten worse as, as their injuries have, worse, have accumulated. This game means just as much to each team, which means that both teams are coming into this with their A-game hope. They're up. hoping that both of them will bring their A-game. Now, in my opinion, the A-game of the Chiefs beats the A-game of the Chargers 10 out of 10 times. But the fact is, is that every single week after Patrick Mahomes became this quarterback, the quarterback for the Kansas City Chiefs and won the MVP, there is a target on the back of the Chiefs. And every single week against every single opponent, whether they're a contender for the Super Bowl or a bottom feeder, they are bringing their A game against the Chiefs because they know this is their Super Bowl. This is the Chargers Super Bowl this year. There is not a bigger game on their schedule before this game or after this game. Yeah, season's on the line. This is their season right here. This is what's going to keep Phillip Rivers' job. This might keep what, uh, uh, Anthony Lynn's job. They lose this game. There could be a shit ton of changes because they lose this game. They move to seven losses, which almost sig- like guarantees they won't make the playoffs. You're going to have to win ten games to make the playoffs this year in both conferences, So, I, unless you're winning a shitty division. The point is, the Chargers are not winning the AFC West if they lose this game, which means they won't make the playoffs this this year in the, in the AFC. So, I am fully anticipating the Chargers to come out looking good. They got all their weapons. All I their fully anticipate weapons. the Chargers are going to come out here with an absolute attack on the ground. I think they're going to oh, make yeah. sure they keep the ball out of Patrick Mahomes' hands early and often, which is going to mean the Chiefs are going to have to come out with as much efficiency as they have had all season. They are going to have to come out and play like they did in the second quarter against the Raiders in Week 2. They're going to have to come out and score fast, I know that sounds crazy because we just talked about how we got to make sure the defense stays <laughs> off the field, but I'm going to be a little hypocritical right now. And the reason why it's a matchup thing, I think that the Chiefs are going to have to punch the Chargers in the mouth quick because this is why. Oh, yeah. As as much as I think the Chargers can start out sharp and come out here with a with a nice game plan for their first 15 to 20 plays, those scripted plays, they'll look sharp, they'll they run will. the ball, they'll look successful, run average five yards of carry and all that shit, right? 
Eventually, we know how it goes because the Chargers play the same game every single week. Philip Rivers is going to have some boneheaded plays and throw some picks. You put the pressure on him. You score 21 points in the first quarter. It's 21 to 10, 21 14. All of a sudden, Philip Rivers is going to want to start audibling out of those run plays. And he's going to want to start throwing the ball downfield. Yeah, they throw more than anything in the league. He's been throwing straight ducks this season. Yeah. Well, he leads the league in passing yards because he throws so damn much, but it hasn't been and he's one efficient of them. at all. And I think he leads the league in turnovers. Am I not? Am I, uh, oh, he's uh, one of them. He's, he's, one got of, ten, he's got 10 interceptions alone in like four fumble. Walks. He's one of the worst quarterbacks in, in turnovers this season and, and in the last 10 years, yeah. quite frankly. But this is the game where I think the Chiefs have a golden opportunity to make everyone feel like all is well in the world. I said this. Was it three or four days ago on Twitter? And I'm gonna get you guys' thoughts on this game in a second. But I said, I fully anticipate. In fact, I'm guaranteeing the Chiefs win this game soundly. I think why, the Chiefs. Why did you just do? I that? think the Chiefs are gonna win this game by ten points. Wow. I think the Chiefs are gonna win this game a lot, somewhere close to the Raiders game in Week Two. I think it's gonna be something like that where the Chiefs just kind of comfortably went go through the rest of the game, right? They just the first quarter, you remember the Raiders looked like they were really sharp and we're getting a little worried, and all of a sudden Patrick Mahomes just put the D on them, and all of a sudden it was over. That's how I think it's gonna go. I think it's gonna go just like that. I think his the ball's gonna be all over the place because that elevation is gonna be insane. That ball's just gonna fly everywhere. It's gonna be crazy. The Chiefs are gonna win this game by 10 plus points, and we in Chiefs Kingdom are gonna think all is well in the world again, and we're gonna forget about that Titans loss. We're gonna forget about the Colts loss. We're gonna forget about that Texans loss. You're gonna, gonna go gonna on think, Twitter and praise Andy Reid this week. You're goddamn right. I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna say I'm so glad <laughs> he's my coach. Andy Reid, I would <laughs> take another over him. I hope he's here for another 10 seasons. It's a week by week game. It's a week by week old. Hell yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah, cankles and all, baby. Cankles and all. Pipe, baby, lay in the pipe. Uh, gotta do better. Uh, yeah. I've been looking at so many mirrors. <laughs> yeah. Shane, what are you expecting in this game? Uh, is Darwin James coming back? He's their million dollar safety. He's been out. He's rumored to come back this week. Darwin James is a clutch. He's a first round draft pick. It was yeah. a Rookie sensation last year with the Los Angeles not so superchargers. He is really the key. I know Joey Bose is an animal, Ingram. as well as Melvin Ingram. Yep. They're studs on defense. Uh, they came into Arrowhead last year when we know what happened. The Chiefs were up by 14 points late in the game with uh, the, and then the Chargers got a touchdown to pull within seven. Yeah. And uh, on third no, and no ten, call on the offensive pass interference. Though. Right, right, right. Yeah. And with the game on the line, uh, Patrick Mahomes tried to look off Darwin James. He tried to look him off again. Next next thing you know, he's sacked where he's at his own four. The Chiefs had to punt. We know what happened. The Chargers went down and got a touchdown and yep. went for two and got it. Yep. Chiefs and Chargers game is always a battle. I think it's going to come down to the fourth quarter. I think if the Chiefs do win by 10, like Lance alluded to, it's going to have it's going to the Chiefs will pull away in the fourth quarter. It'll be a three point game with two or three minutes left, and the Chiefs will make a play to win by 10. I like Lance's prediction, I'm comfortable with it. But again, the Chiefs are going to have to make the play with three or four minutes left to go up by 10 and clinch the game. What do you think, Eddie? Oh man, it's, it's going to be a tough game, but but the thing is, it's a, it's a neutral zone. Uh, you're playing in Mexico City, neither team's a uh, like a home. Home team, so it kind of it kind of evens even, never home. It kind of evens out the match. Uh, expect uh, lasers being pointed at the quarterbacks. That's uh, tradition in Mexico. I don't know why they do that, but that's, that's oh, they did that in Arrowhead in the AFC Championship. So who yeah. are we gonna talk? You know, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so it's, it's, expect lasers being pointed at. So it's gonna be it's gonna come down like uh, Shaggy saying to the fourth quarter. I think it's gonna be a close close game all all game until the last three minutes of the fourth quarter. I think the Chiefs are gonna probably win by three 
three to ten points, but I, I'm going to. It's going to be so close that I think it's going to come down to the to a last minute field goal. Address the field, please, Eddie. Please, because has been Eddie's been following this. I've been listening yeah. to Spoken for the last five or six weeks. Eddie Ortiz has been breaking down the field yeah. of Mexico City. Eddie's he studies Mexican. it. He, <laughs> <laughs> yes, he's been breaking down the field. What have you seen from the field from soccer to uh, up to this week? Break it down, Eddie. Uh, the field seems. Uh, Pretty perfect. I think it's it's in a in a way 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 better situation than it was last year. Uh, this year, obviously, they went back into the traditional regular regular grass field. You know, they they it's a lot they try, of chance, man. They try to do the the fucking half uh, hybrid, half of yeah. uh, real grass. Yeah. So, so that on its own, what's going to be a fucking failure, especially when they did it two weeks before the season started, uh, soccer season, anyways. So. Excuse me. So it it, it was it, it was horrible uh, last season. Not gonna lie, it was it was it was shitty on on Mexico. It was a shit. Yeah. So obviously they took that to heart because they they did not only lose an NFL game, but they lost millions of dollars on that game. And and for for Mexico to lose millions of dollars on something is is pretty drastic. So obviously coming into this season, they knew they had to make the right decisions. The NFL has been out in Mexico almost every fucking week. It's, it's I think since September they've they've had somebody go and kind of expect the uh, inspect the field and see how it is. Obviously, we haven't heard anything from the NFL players. Haven't bitched like they did last season. We haven't. I, I honestly haven't heard the media talk about the field at all. I know you guys listen to a lot more sports uh, radio than I do, but the field. Let me just say this: the field is. Way way better than what Oakland's field was, and, and thank you. Obviously, thank obviously, you. nobody talk, everybody's fear too. Nobody talks about Oakland's field right. as much as they're talking about the Mexico field. Literally play on sand. The only the only reason I think that is is because this this game's not in the not being played in the U.S. Yes, I, I think that's the biggest issue. The the fuck up last year in Mexico. That's what thank put, Shakira put, put the fear. <laughs> Not, the field was already jacked up before. Right? <laughs> I know, but, but she's just a name. So, yeah, like so I, but I guess last year put the fear on fans. Was like, and then you got Patrick Holmes playing out there. Obviously, yeah. he's coming out of a knee injury. Obviously, you want to know how the field is. You know what happened last season. Are they going to change this game? This game's not moving from Mexico City. There is no way in hell. This this game's being played out there. The field looks fucking beautiful. It, it they they brought so much technology into this field. Like I said, the NFL sends somebody over there to inspect the field pretty much every week just to see how it is. It, it's it's perfect. It, it's it's a lot better than a lot of a lot of stadiums feels right now in the NFL, and, and that's saying a lot. But I, I, it's it's way better. Well, thank, thank you. you for actually covering the field yeah. like others aren't because they're just assuming the field's gonna be shit. And, so and obviously the people are gonna be like, well, how do you know? Well, I happen to fucking follow the team. <laughs> I happen to follow the team that plays on that field week in and week right. out. So I know how that field looks every weekend. If it's a shit, Eddie will let us know it's yes. a shit. Last season was a shit. This season was not a shit. So obviously, obviously, I see the field literally once every weekend. It per looks, per looks, Eddie's looks spies, Eddie was not a shit. The man yes. been following. I've been listening all the last five weeks. Eddie breaking down Hell that yeah. field. Trevor, what do you got? What do you think happens this week, man? It's going to be a shit when we're done with it. After we light it on fire, <laughs> they're going to put a shit on the field. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm actually with you. I think the Chiefs are going to win by at least double digits, um, and I think it is going to come down to uh, the Chiefs making a big play, and I think it's going to be defensively. Um, 
I think the pendulum is going to swing back this week. I think I think we really going to have to overcompensate and overcorrect, uh, not overcorrect, but we're going to correct a lot of things defensively. And I think we're we always for some reason have a good game plan defensively against uh, Philip Rivers, and I do expect him to turn the ball over in a in an untimely manner, um, whether it's a forced fumble or, or or a nasty pick. He always seems to throw an absolute ridiculous pick against us. Him and Derek Carr both always for some reason. Throw it right to one of our defenders almost every single time we play them. The Dan Sorensen one. When the Jared thing, I mean, Cook yeah, just quit yeah, on the play. That's what I'm saying. The only thing, the only thing I, that that gives me pause about this game and make you, maybe making it a shootout, which I do think it will be a shootout for the most part, is the fact that Hunter Henry's healthy, Mike Williams is healthy, Keenan Allen is healthy as he's been all year. Philip Rivers hasn't looked good, but he still has all those weapons at his disposal. And Melvin Gordon has had his, just had his best game statistically last week, even though they lost. Their O line is, I mean, they don't have Okung and they're not going to have Derwin James. But they are missing pieces there. But they do, as far as overall health, they, they're about as healthy as we are, and we're about as healthy as we've been probably all year. But with us having all, all of our offensive linemen back, um, that, having Fisher back is going to be huge for Mahomes. Oh, not not yes. to have to worry about the revolving door and him getting his left, his left guard getting a left tackle getting pancaked by cornerbacks. I put a tweet out there about <laughs> Cam Irving, and, and I don't feel bad about this. I said, I said, Cam Irving had to get off Twitter because he couldn't block anyone. Yeah. And, 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 and I, that one took off. I didn't think it was going to do that. I had a few beers when I put that one out there. Yeah. Felt <laughs> that good, though. Because that guy I, – I, right, to Trevor's dude. point, <laughs> the fact that we have Eric Fisher, Sit. Frank Clark was a full participant. LDT was a full part. He's back. Schwartz was limited, but he will play. He will play. The Chiefs are as healthy as they have been all – Kendall Fuller's back. Right. They are he- as healthy as they have been since week one. Yeah. This is humongous. The Chargers are catching the Chiefs at the worst time. Yeah. And it's funny because the Chiefs have seemingly been catching everybody else at the, the worst time. This They're finally getting a team where they are the ones that have the advantage in that regard. Yeah. So And Patrick Mahomes has set himself even in the press conferences. He's one of the few guys I actually believe when he's saying something that he's being honest. He did say that he feels better now than he did even during week one. And to that point, when we talked about the field, Eddie, you know, that was the concern that people were talking about with this field. I'm not concerned at all about it because of the fact that Patrick Mahomes threw four touchdowns in one quarter in the sand, the dunes of Oakland, on a high ankle sprain. He suffered a high ankle sprain seven days before that game. And were any of us looking at him going, damn, he looks like he's he's hurt? No, he was out there playing MVP football. And nobody complained about the field. Yeah, he had 15 touchdowns to one interception before he got injured. And he had one leg at that time. He feels almost 100% to this point, according to what he's saying. I believe him. And he has, if it wasn't for a horrible call against the deck and the Texans game, he'd have 18 touchdowns and zero picks on the season right now. And this is where I'm going to kind of bring it in. I don't want to go too far into it, but I do believe by season's end, there is a really strong chance that Patrick still wins MVP. Because I do believe, even though even though we said last week, and I said it, Nick Wright said it, a bunch of other people said the Chiefs are not going to lose another game this season. If the Chiefs do end up going twelve and four this season, yeah. and Patrick ends up leading the league in in in, uh, in, uh, in touchdowns, which I did do the numbers, Patrick Mahomes right now is only hundred and ninety yards behind Philip Rivers for the most passing yards in the league, and he's missed two and a half games. Right. Wow. Yeah, I, okay. I, I wasn't one of the people that said they're going to run the table at that time, but yeah. I'm saying it now. Okay, that's yeah. good. And here's the other thing: Patrick Mahomes is fifth in touchdowns behind Russell Wilson with only five fewer and yeah. two and a half fewer games. Right. Russell Wilson is averaging 2.3 touchdowns per game this season, which would get him to about 36 or 37 for the season. Patrick Mahomes is averaging 2.6, which if you round it off, is actually three, but I'm going to keep it at 2.6. That puts him one touchdown behind Russell Wilson for the end of the season. 
So Patrick Mahomes has the pace to still lead the league in passing yards and could potentially lead the league in touchdowns despite missing two and a half games. He's going to have a, a game where he throws five or six touchdowns. And I think, that's, happen I think that could be this week. Yeah. yeah, I really believe this could be the week because if yeah. you look at his numbers, even in the loss against the Chargers in Thursday Night Football last season, yeah. Patrick Mahomes had a really good game. Hell yeah. And in his first game, as the starter, well, you know, week 17 the year before, but as the, the we knew he was the man, goes against the Chargers, throws four touchdowns in week one in L.A., and it looked amazing. Yeah, I expect the Chiefs to be much more aggressive in the red zone moving forward. I definitely think, yes. And I I can understand your guys' points about the game being a little bit closer. I just, that, that isn't the vibe in this game. And it's coming from the dipshit that picked them to beat the Titans by 20. But <laughs> Yeah, you just confirmed a win. So. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. I am, I'm going to stick with it. I, I do, this matchup, I do believe, is in the Chiefs' favor. They're as healthy as they've been all season. The Chargers are coming off a horrible season, a horrible game against the Chargers on national television. Oh, they've been absolutely embarrassed. The point is, I think that the Chargers will come out sharp, yeah. but I do think that the talent and the overall coaching of the Chiefs will surmount and will ultimately be the reason why the Chiefs actually win a big divisional game. Eddie? I just want to add a comment. Uh, if this if this team can prove to me this weekend or, or Monday night that they don't need uh, to depend on Patrick Mahomes, I believe they can win that game. But if they go out on the field and still depend on Patrick Mahomes to carry them the whole way through that game, yeah, there's no way they're going to win that game. I just don't see them winning. Like if that defense just keeps on giving them, if Melvin Gorgeous fucking runs through the nose, there's no way the Chiefs can win that game. Yeah, even if the Chiefs were to win like 41 to 38 this week, if it's like a high scoring game on both ends and the, and Patty has to throw five touchdowns for the Chiefs to win, I'm with you. I'm very concerned. Because what I want to believe is that those three weeks that he wasn't playing and the Chiefs played defense that way, that they can somehow, some way, piece those together while he's on the field, which would be lovely for once, this just is, one time. Yeah, this is this is why you want to jump out ahead of them quickly and right. possibly get a double-digit uh, lead early because you want to force Phillip Rivers to throw the ball. Because they've been throwing the ball more than any team in the league so far this year, uh, which is why Phillip Rivers leads the league in passing yards because he has to throw the ball because they get, they've been getting behind. And they just, for whatever reason, they haven't had a good solid running game, so he's been throwing the ball a ton. And they've been losing games when he throws too much. So that's – if we want any kind of strategy, any kind of upper hand, jump ahead of them early, be aggressive early, and just don't let your foot off the pedal. So, so I'll go ahead, Eddie. Sorry, sorry. And, and also the altitude. You don't want your defense to be fucking sh- – like just be out there yeah. all yeah. the yeah. fucking yeah. time. So that, that that's also going to play a part. What what the what the Chargers are going to do, if they're going to run the ball, if they're successful running the ball, that defense is just going to suffer and suffer and suffer out there. So, Shaggy, you have the Chiefs in a close one? I have the Chiefs winning by 10. Oh, okay. 38 to 28. I Like I said, it's, it'll be a three-point game, but we'll take up a 10 like you. But you think it'll be a 10-point comfort. Like you think it'll be like we'll be a comfortable 10, like maybe we'll yeah. like 17 and then they'll pull within 10. I think I think the Chiefs get out early, score three touchdowns in the first quarter, which has been something they've struggled with all season is scoring early. I think they get out to about 21 to 10 in the first quarter. And I do think that the Chiefs score a couple more touchdowns to put the game away. I think it could be 28 to 17 in the second half. Where the Chiefs are, you know, starting to just try to run the, you know, Andy Reid gets once he gets down on the twenty-eight to thirty mark, he tries to get a little bit more conservative. I think that's what the Chiefs are going to do. I think they, I think they, I do think they win by at least ten. I say ten plus. I think that's what's going to happen. Hey, what do you, what do you see? A close one? You said the Chiefs are going to pull it out, or uh, 
I, I think the Chiefs are going to win by by three. Okay. I, I think it's going to be 27-24 uh, with the last last minute field goal. And Trevor, what, what do you have? I don't really have a set score. But no, I that's just, fine. I have this winning by multiple by double digits. We, we will post all of our uh, predictions as we always do the sun, uh, every Sunday morning around eleven o'clock. We post those on our Facebook and Twitter pages as well. Join us on Facebook at the Spoken and join us on Twitter at the Spoken Pod. Go ahead, Shane. Hey, I, w- I can't wait to uh, tune in and check out all the spoken information. I want to thank you guys for having me on. You guys all kick ass. Hell yeah. I want to thank everybody listening on the spoken. I've been a big fan of the spoken since Lance was doing this stuff 10 years ago. It is kitchen table yep. on YouTube. I want to thank uh, Tanish Mahomes for joining us. I want to thank chiefs kingdom worldwide for listening into Shaggy Shane entertainment on YouTube as well as the spoken. Thanks again, Tanisha Mahomes. Thank you, brother Lance. You know, Absolutely. you're my brother. Trevor Twidwell, Absolutely. Eddie Ortiz, you kick-ass dude. Appreciate right, the updates in the field as well as <laughs> – And, and please, please give everybody your uh, YouTube channel, your Twitter, everything. Shaggy you- Shane, KC Chiefs on YouTube. Shaggy Shane, KC on uh, face, on uh, Twitter. I'm Shane Williams on Facebook. If you just put in on YouTube Shaggy Shane Chiefs, you're going to find my videos. I will do an update, of course, November 18th. On my 50th birthday, Chiefs got to win for my 50th birthday. Come on, oh, I'm going to be yeah. 50, oh. man. I'm getting old, man. You know how much oh. freaking beard dye I got to put in my freaking <laughs> gray beard? Come on. I'm well, going to be 50. Let's and, win on my birthday. And that's a, that's another reason why I'm really hoping the Chiefs win because <laughs> I, I'm not just win, saying man. this. I'm not just saying this because Shane's my brother. This dude is the most dedicated Chiefs fan I've ever met in my life. It's not close. This dude had season tickets from 1991 to 2011. That's some real shit right there, man. That's 20 years of yes, uh, Shane has seen more playoff losses than yeah. any two people I know my age bracket. And this guy, like I said, it would be poetic. Market, damn it. it would be poetic if he if the Chiefs go out there and yeah. put and put it on the Chargers for my guy's big five zero man. So um, I, I'm very excited, man, to, to do these shows with you. I appreciate all the support you've given me over the last several years. Uh, thank you for letting me be a part of your shows. It's been a blast, dude, and I, I can't look forward. I cannot look forward to it enough for the next years and more years to come as we watch Patrick Mahomes rack up some Lombardis for us. Uh, <laughs> in the meantime, we got one more segment to go. It's called what, guys? Hold this hell. It's time to hold this hell. I want you to do me a favor and hold this hell. Somebody's got to hold that hell. Let <laughs> him. <laughs> Her. I'm talking like caps lock L L L L L L L L Cool J stuff. Hold that up. <laughs> Good God, man! Hold this gigantic, <gasps> veiny, pulsating oh L. Man, you are one pathetic loser. You ignorant bastard. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, hold Sorry. this L. Hold This L, brought to you by Casey Beard Company. Since 2014, Casey Beard Co. has been providing you with beard and skincare products handcrafted in Kansas City with 100% organic ingredients. You can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Casey Beard Co. and CaseyBeardCo.com. And for the entire month of November, they have a 25% off all online products. Just use promo code NOSHAVESAVE. Hold This L, guys. Hold. Eddie, who's you know, holding it? You know who's going to hold this L? Let's hold yeah. it. I had an L in mind, but then the show went on and... And I figure out how to change my. Oh, it's an audible. Yes. All right. I'm gonna give my L to all those fans that keep keep fucking complaining about the field. Yeah. Just shut <laughs> the fuck up. I hate you guys. I hate all of you. Like, There's an animosity. Shut up. Like, just shut the fuck up. <laughs> you guys are a shit. If you weren't complaining about the Oakland field, 
Let's just shut the fuck up. Go get your toaster strudels out of your grandma's toaster, out of the basement. <laughs> That's all I got to say. Just uh, shut up. That was a brief one. Yes. <laughs> so, like it's, it's brief so what do they got to do? So all those fans, <laughs> analysts, whatever, whoever the fuck you are. They're too lazy to do like three seconds of research. Russian bots. Yeah. Go ahead and uh, hold, hold this L. Trevor? Yeah, mine's just going to be a uh, continuance of some of the topics we discussed Um about the Chiefs today, um, Steve Spagnolo, Cam Irving, and the combination of those two things, um, the Chiefs in general, um, but mostly it's going to go to Steve Spagnolo with the with the with the interview that recently came out about his 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 lackadaisical game plan against the Titans. I know we already hit on it a little bit. We didn't go too much into depth about it, but just the embarrassing. I mean, I appreciate his transparency in in, in the in the interview, um, talking about you know. Oh well, it, we we thought it was a you know it was a two possession game. You know we didn't expect them to run, even though the fucking Titans have been doing nothing but running the ball all goddamn year, um, and that's literally all they do. Um, you as a as a as a defensive coordinator, you're coordinating defenses, prepping for a week, sometimes a week ahead of the week for certain teams, and you you watch you watch film. Yeah, there, there's film on these guys, you know. <clears throat> 10 weeks into the year. <clears throat> it's just strange how you can watch 10 weeks of film or even a week, a single, <laughs> a single week of film on the Titans. And you're not going to under, you're not going to prep for the run. They should just send him home with a video cassette. See if he's actually watching like Jamarcus Russell. Yeah. He literally, <laughs> yeah I mean, he literally came out and said, well, we didn't, you know, we, we expected them to pass, you know, and they won that mental battle. That is fucking embarrassing, dude. That's that's our defensive coordinator, and I, and I, and I am a Spagnola fan. I actually do like Spagnola. He's he's had really high highs, but he's had some lows. And this past week was a low, and it was bad. And the personnel decisions was bad, bad choices there. They were already without Corey Davis, their number one wide receiver. Yet you're going to expect that when the game's on the line, and we and we get in the ball back with with the chance to you know go down there and either tie or win the game, and then we not only let them win or let them score the touchdown, we let Tannehill run the ball in. It's just. Uh, Do you guys even know the name of the wide receiver that caught the game-winning touchdown? Yeah, Adam Humphreys. I think I believe was Adam Humphreys. No, no, that was the other player. Exactly. You, you, you don't even yourself. know who I, these I, guys I, are. I, I play a fan of, ton of fantasy, so I know. I'm just like saying every player, the but, fact yeah. that you had a guess. Yeah, Adam Humphreys <laughs> was the guy that got that one ball. But I just, I, it's, it's the fact that he came out and, and, and publicly said that without shame. Hopefully, there's some shame in there. But the fact that he said that the Titans won that, and then the fact that Mike Vrabel comes out and then. Pretty much tells us that our defense players are a bunch of pussies, and they knew we were going to get tired, and they knew we can just, they can just pound it in us, and they just keep running. And they saw us, you know, pretty much as soft. Um, it's just embarrassing to hear that, and it's embarrassing that we invest so much of our energy and time and emotions every week into this team just to see that kind of outcome, just to see that kind of incompetence um, from our coaching staff that we brought in to fix those problems, and that continues to happen. We continue to have brain farts. Um, in that and the same you know areas that we were supposed to be fixing and, and and it's just it's embarrassing and i'm tired of and we got we got to fix that moving forward so steve spagnolo oh bonus cam irving getting flattened by a cornerback um <clears throat> absolutely pitiful so i'm just gonna throw that in there as a bonus um uh donkey of the week there so uh yeah so steve spagnolo this defensive game plan overall y'all are gonna have to go ahead and uh hold oh, this hell trash can known as Cameroon with yeah. a helmet dude that was i couldn't believe my eyes when i saw it, it looked like he flopped i, on I don't think i've ever hated a cheese player more than it is so bad and that's saying something You're i don't know how he made the run you could have brought Steve somebody Bono. anybody else off the street and I mean, it's just 
just yeah. move your feet and stay in front of somebody. Like it's. I don't know if I've ever given an L to somebody that's coming off of a win, but I'm going to, to the, tonight. The Cleveland Browns found a way. Yeah. After a significantly dominating fashion of a of a of a division win. That the the topic is anything but that. I mean, this team was so hyped up and so geared up. I mean, there was people picking them to go to the Super Bowl this year. Yeah. I mean, people were talking about Baker Mayfield winning the MVP. Uh, Some they, people you know, thought Baker might be better than Mahomes. Yeah, like yeah, there was there was those guys. <laughs> I do remember. Uh, Never. <laughs> you know, there there was all this hype, and they start to struggle like they have, and all these finger pointing bullshit shit going on, and bullshit Freddie, shit. yeah, bullshit shit. <laughs> Freddie Kitchens is showing his he's just inept as a head coach. Yeah. But they go out and and they they pick off uh, Mason Rudolph four times last night. They went twenty one to seven. That should be dominant. Hey, one. you know yeah. maybe. Hey, shit, man! Maybe the Browns can get themselves a wild card spot. You know they can make it. That they can make a run right now. This is a you know big opportunity for them. They're, what are they five and six now? I mean that's that's a really good opportunity for them. Like I said, no, we're not talking about that. And the reason why is because of Miles Garrett. Now let me preface my take by saying that I didn't come to the defense of Miles Garrett, but I saw the situation that took place last night a lot differently than some others did. And if you missed it, there was eight seconds left in the game. The Steelers were clearly going to lose. Mason Rudolph had a terrible game. He had a 36 rating, four interceptions, just terrible. He looked like Tyler Palco out there. Miles Garrett hits him legally, I might add, legally tackles Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph doesn't like it, starts trying to rip off Miles Garrett's helmet. Miles Garrett says, All right, bitch, let's do this. Let's dance. Gets up, starts ripping off my, uh, Mason Rudolph's helmet. Mason Rudolph cleats Miles Garrett in the dick. The helmet comes off of Mason Rudolph. Mason Rudolph gets up, tries to attack while David DeCastro tries to separate them. And Miles Garrett decides to try to fit Mason Rudolph's helmet back on his head mm. by completely tomahawking it on his head. And I came out and I said that Mason Rudolph started the fight, Miles Garrett ended it. And it wouldn't have happened if Mason Rudolph didn't act like a little bitch and cause that problem. But the biggest portion of all of it is that Miles Garrett should have never done what he did. And I will give Baker Mayfield a ton of credit because although he's had his issues with his attitude and things of that nature over the last couple of years, and I do question his leadership, and I do question whether he's ever going to be a star in this league, a true star in this league, he came out there and he delivered a punch when it came to uh, his his message to Miles Garrett about how it's completely unacceptable. It was right after the game too, so you knew that you knew that Baker didn't get a real chance to compose himself. It just happened m- minutes before they go out there and interview him on the field, and you can see it all over Baker. He's absolutely pissed because he knew he knows he lost Miles Garrett for the entire year. Their best defender, the guy they took with the number one overall pick, gone. We don't know when he's coming back. He will play again, but we don't know when. Mm-hmm. And they absolutely just completely shit on their biggest win of the season. That was the biggest win of the season for the Browns. They haven't had shit going for them this year. They have had nothing going for them this year. It's been a terrible season for the Browns. It's been a complete disaster. All the hype. And it's gone nowhere. And you finally get that dominating win against a hot Steelers team in your division you have a chance to get yourself back in the playoff picture, and now you not only lost Miles Garrett, but then uh, I believe it was um their safety uh 
Oh, he, I forget his name. Strange he, last name. No, no, it's uh, it's he's been around forever. Morgan oh, Burnett. Morgan yeah, Burnett oh, yeah, gets yeah. hurt, and I don't know what the injury was, but it looked pretty significant. Steve Wilkes was they yeah. threw a fit when they got the word, so I know it's something bad. So they lose multiple defenders last night. It was already bad enough, yeah. and you can have you could build on a win finally, and here we are. It feels like a Dominican Sue all over again. It, it just now, we're, yeah, and, and it's it so does, crazy. It's like it. Miles Garrett was not known as that guy. Everyone was talking. No, no. Before this whole year, he's kind of done a lot. A of lot of the a lot of the penalties he's gotten were were chintzy calls. Were like little little yeah, late calls, stuff, like the Clay Matthews stuff, ones. He does stuff late though. That's I get problem. it. Yeah. My point is, a lot of people were actually questioning whether he was soft or not coming into the season. So I think he's been trying to act out a little bit, and it failed miserably because now he's not playing for the rest of this year. And if they do go on a playoff run. And they inevitably lose in the playoffs because they don't have a fucking pass rush anymore. Right. Well, no, why? And Olivier Vernon's still banged up, I believe. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, in all of that, Cleveland Browns do me a solid and hold this hold L. Thanks a lot, guys, you assholes. I wasn't ready really for appreciate it. it. You I said it up perfectly. I've like literally lobbed that like a softball pitch. Let's do it again. Do it again. D-League. Cleveland Browns, go ahead and hold, hold this L. L. Except Cream Hunt. Shout out to Cream Hunt. We miss you. <laughs> yeah, he looks good. Love you, babe. Yeah. yeah. Miss you, bro. Yeah. Text me. I'm touch your, you I'm, up? I'm going to touch your butt. <laughs> so this was an absolute blast tonight, guys. Uh, like I said, uh, a million thanks to Tanisha Mahomes for coming on tonight. She did not have to do that all the way from Texas. Hmm. Really, 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 really appreciate her coming on, and we would love to have her back. So, Tanisha, if you hear this, thank you again from the bottom of our hearts here at the Spoken Podcast. We really appreciate the Mahomes family being so kind to us as they have been over the last couple of years, and we look forward to the years to come with them. Um, my guy Shaggy Shane for coming on and taking the time out of his busy schedule because, my God, that dude is a busy man. His 50th is coming up. Cannot wait to celebrate with that with him this weekend, um, and I really hope the Chiefs give him that victory that he deserves because, like I told you guys, and, and he's gone right now. He's not even in the studio anymore, but – this dude is literally the biggest fan I've ever met in my life. Literally and figured. Dude's like 6'10". Just uh, watching him recall the fucking plays. The minute, that's what I'm saying. He just blacks out. <laughs> like, Shane, come back. Shane just goes in those trances. His eyes are like, he's like Undertaker over here, like rolling his eyes in the back of his head. He's got like, foam he coming the, out of his mouth. Yeah, he goes the minute, the second, the down, the yard. Shane's a beast, Where bro. Where's the 1998? He's a machine. He's yeah. a machine, dude. There's no there, there's no one like Shane. And I'm telling you, this fan base is better because of him. Yeah. So we really appreciate when he ever whenever he takes the time to come and hang out with us for a couple hours. It is much appreciated. It's much and we Shit, appreciate it might not be a spoken without him. Man. I tend to agree because I was like I said, guys, I was I was starting to really lose it for a while, and he really kept yeah. me in gear and 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 helped me you know steer the ship and all this. And I really appreciate all, all of his help and loyalty and friendship, quite frankly. No He's been an amazing friend. Uh and I, and I, I think all you guys, everybody that's been listening, whether it's been all 38 episodes or you just joined us, we appreciate all you guys. This is why we do it. We want to give you guys some good content. We love talking Chiefs. We love talking sports in general. And we just appreciate you sticking around. I love every time I go to Arrowhead when people come up and say they listen. That is seriously so humbling, and we cannot thank you guys enough. So from the bottom of our hearts, thank you guys for all the support, all the care, and and listening uh, to what, us, what we have to say. So in that – for Eddie Ortiz, for Trevor Twidwell, for Shaggy Shane Williams, for Tanisha Mahomes and the entire Mahomes family, I am Lance Twidwell here inside the KC Beard Co. Studios, the Spoken Podcast, episode 38. We're out. See ya. TTYL. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned into the Spoken. I might actually stick, I might actually stick around for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs>